0: Jack, you are an American hero.
1: Come. You're listening to the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema.
0: there.
2: Everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. Oh, <laughs> got a little uh, super fighter going on there.
3: See, that's why we do a show together, and that's why I love you because I was thinking in my head, as I heard that song, I hope Sammy picks is still in the show. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, can you not, man? Starts out a little emotional and then it really gets pumped, man.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like our hero, Jack Cody.
2: Yes, and that's what I make sure I wear. I play that song right before I get into the shower. I have no idea what that is. So, anyway, anyway uh <laughs> maybe it's a motivational thing for me. Um, okay, so we are back, and uh, we are covering what our good friend of the show and a personal phone conversation I had with him, uh, Forrest Whitaker's next, said is possibly the WrestleMania of GGTMC shows. So. <laughs> Dedication. Nick couldn't be with us this week. We were kind of hoping to get him on and stuff, but he's really busy and stuff. And uh, so we're gonna probably get him on in July. But you know, we kind of dedicate this episode to him in a lot of ways. So
3: absolutely, because this is a Nick show as much as it is a GTMC show. <laughs> this
2: is true. So this week we are covering um, super fights from nineteen uh, ninety something. I can't even believe it's from ninety something.
3: <laughs> I think ninety five of, of, of incredibly.
2: Yeah, I think it is ninety five. Uh, I'm looking it up right now, which is really crazy, because both these movies are around the same time, so there was definitely something in the water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Superfice is 95, and uh, Parole Violators is 94. So. And Parole Violators, of course, very infamous, and uh, we will get to chatting about that here in a little while, so.
3: And, sorry, as much as it's also a neck episode, it's very much a Carl, amongst all of our listeners, certainly, but a Carl Bresden episode, too.
2: Yes. A lot of our good friends.
3: <laughs> a lot of our friends. This, Yeah, this is pure mainline (laughs) gtmc yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. this is uncut this is uh you know straight off the vine heroin this stuff is (laughs) this is the good shit (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right so uh with that we are back uh we'll get into what we watched so i defer to you of course while i have my coffee
3: excellent um uh, something like lurch that's awesome nice Okay, I actually had a great week, film-wise, which is good, because I, I just, you know, I hadn't had one in quite some time.
2: I saw that. Uh, uh, let's give the uh, For those who don't follow us on Facebook or Twitter and stuff, and really you should be, uh, Large William always has this capacity, I always pay attention to what he's doing, that's how I keep up with him when I'm not talking to him, and he always manages somehow some way to get the movies in for the show at about 1 o'clock in the morning the night before. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I know. It's a, as the, you know what it is, and you you could probably guess this. I'm trying to cram as much movies in mm-hmm. as I can, and then I leave these at the last <laughs> second usually. And I, every week, I, you know, the weeks when it burns me when I gamble and I, I bust, I'm always like, man, I should have fucking watched these on the weekend. <laughs> so I luckily I you know this was kind of organized, and I knew they were each about an hour and a half long, so I was able to <laughs> squeeze in a bunch of other stuff. Yes. Um, so, let's see where I, okay, so the first one I watched, it seems so long ago now, uh, I picked up a bunch of blues and, and a bunch of standard DVDs because one of our local video stores was closing, so I watched I Know Who, who Killed Me because my wife wanted to buy it on blue, um, she'd heard it was trashy but, you know, whatever, <laughs> that, that was her thing, so we watched it and I was kind of excited to watch it to see how bad it was and I heard it looked pretty good, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of the colors, so this is like uh, like a poor man's Brian De Palma film. Um, you know, in San has got some jolly kind of stuff going on, and you know, it, it's it's pretty messy. And and I don't know how you play a stripper in a film, Lindsay Lohan, and never once show any tits or anything. But that's <laughs> I guess something else altogether. But you know, it's it's awful, but it's deliciously awful. Um, then I watched, speaking of deliciously awful, City Under Siege, which is a film about a carnival knife thrower and uh, some other nefarious carnival workers and, and gangsters who uh, get some radiation on them and turn into muscle-bound mutants and, and are rampaging through Hong Kong. It's pretty fun if goofy. Um, rebellion. A, Sorry?
2: Sounds fun and goofy.
3: <laughs> it is. It is. It, it's pretty absurd. Um, some serious overacting, even by Hong Kong standards. And um, Rebellion, which is a Herman Yao Cat Three film, it was it was pretty good, uh, not great. I I said i I've been in the mood for some Hong Kong stuff that took place at night. I don't know. And sometimes I get that that mood, you know, like watching like PTU or stuff like that. Uh, it's just Hong Kong night shots. It just I get in the mood for that. Um, and I watched one that it, had it eluded me for a long time, and it's been one of the most talked about Korean films, South Korean films, the past few years. That's The Chaser, and I quite liked it, and my wife actually loved it too. Um, really really good film uh, I think it lived up to what I expected you know it has like a very rumpled early 80s kind of feel to it so you know good stuff. Um, next up I watched a Milky Way film Eye in the Sky with Simon Yam it's sort of like a like a conver- not conversation in terms of the paranoia but in terms of the surveillance aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about police officers that's that's their bread and butter is surveillance so it was good um, Fried Dragonfish, which was a made-for-TV movie starring Tadanobu Usanu, directed by Shunji Iwai of All About Lily Choo Choo fame. Fucking awful. Uh, best, less said the better.
2: Yeah, sounds delicious, though.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, they literally do eat fried dragonfish, so <laughs> yeah. it's uh, good times. Uh, next was one that I was, uh, I was curious to see how it was going to shake out for me, and uh, I really, really dug it, and that's Steven Soderbergh's The Girlfriend Experience.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: I thought it was really good, man. I think, you know, I know Bill didn't like it. He'd said as much on Twitter, but <laughs> I look at a lot of this stuff that Soderbergh does uh, between his, his his bigger films uh, and his, his more kind of important personal projects as being almost like when Rodriguez does kids' film. They're almost like the cinematic sandbox for them to try new things and challenge themselves as filmmakers. Like with this one, he has no actors. He has, you know, electricians. He's people that work in film, whether it's, you know, um, electricians in films or. People like that, essentially, and then his star is someone who got fisted uh, for a living for a number of years. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Sasha Gray, and yeah. uh, I think everyone's great in it. Um, really dug it, man. I think Sasha Gray was smart to pick something that that was a bit familiar to her. Uh, she worked pretty well. Uh, I don't know what did you think of it. I know you'd seen it.
2: I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I mean, I didn't think it was the greatest film in the world, but I, you know, I, I did think you know, like a lot of Soderbergh's experimental stuff. I thought. You know, this is a lot better than a lot of that stuff. You see, I mean, you see a lot of that stuff, man. It's it's very hokey and stuff, and and I know some people really hated it, but you know, it's it's definitely a stylistic choice, and you can tell he's experimenting with stuff. But I've liked Uh uh, a couple of his films he's done. Like I like Bubble, and I like that. So you know, and I find it interesting that he did get good performances out of really, in a lot of ways, non actors. I mean, she she is an actor, quote unquote, but just of a different type of genre. But and you know, you know me. I mean, you know. Porn actors are porn actors. I mean, you know, they're not, you know, Academy Award winning actors, but they're still actors in some regard. So,
3: no, and she has to emote in a few scenes. And then let's again, let's not forget that when we have um, singers playing themselves or this person, they're usually pretty bad. So, Mm -hmm. I think we can't always dismiss, oh, well, she's playing something that's close to home. Yeah, but she's doing it well. It's, you know, and and a lot of the stuff was improvised in the film. So, no, I, I think I really dug it. Like, you know, it'd probably be. Right around, you know, top 30 material, like, you know, 25 to 35, maybe just outside the top 30 for me if it came out this year. I I really dug it.
2: I can't remember if it was top 30 for me that year or not. I can't remember. It might have been, actually, but, you know, I I, I did like it, you know, quite a bit, but I've only seen it the one time, so.
3: Yeah, no, I'll definitely revisit it. Um then I watched uh, something. I can't even remember how I came to it now. I think maybe one of our friends had posted a clip on Facebook. It was an HBO documentary put together by Ricky Gervais, and it's called Talking Funny. It takes Seinfeld, Chris Rock, uh, Louis C.K., and him, and they're just sitting down talking about comedy and what's, what's stand up comedy, what's funny, that sort of a thing. Um, you can tell that, that Seinfeld's kind of the alpha male. Like, you know, usually he swings his dick and everyone kind <laughs> of you know, chills out. But. Um, it's, it's pretty good, man. It's really interesting, and there's some really funny stuff in it, nonetheless, when you get people that funny. So, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um,
2: Did you get a lot of uh, Ricky Gervais laughing uncontrollably? Because when he laughs uncontrollably, it's, it's insane. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, he does. Absolutely. <laughs> um, next up, I watched a Spanish film that is sort of like if they made – what's his name? Seltzer or whatever mm-hmm. made uh, not another Spanish indie drama. Uh, it's called Dark Blue, Almost Black. It's it's shot well, but it just it's way too indie pixie cute for me. It just it didn't really I don't know. There's some stuff that's that's too I don't know. I really it didn't really care for it too much to be honest. Beyond it looking well and getting a few decent performances, it it's too cute for its own good. Um, speaking of cute, I watched Speed Racer on Blu-ray and. I know you and I both like this film a lot. We talked about it, and that's going to be a cult film in a few years. But I'll say now, this is easily the best Blu-ray I've ever seen. I'm so happy I bought this. It's fucking unbelievably gorgeous.
2: Yeah, it's uh, for those who don't know. I mean, it's like unbelievably cheap.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's it's so insanely beautiful, man. Like honestly, everyone, even if you're lukewarm on the film, not that the film's a masterpiece, but I think everyone was in on it. Everyone got the memo from Goodman to Sarandon to the British guy or whatever he was, just chewing it up as a bad guy. To, oh yeah,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> um, I think Rains in it. Um, it just. It's so, everyone's having fun, man. It's
2: it's a really fantastic film. Yeah, it's, and it's a great, you know, family film. It's like a great kid's family film. And I just think, you know, it was pretty brave of the Wachowskis to go the route they went. You know, they could have, easily, they could have milked, even though the last two Matrix films weren't as, well, I mean, I guess, I guess they were successful, but I guess they weren't, you know, the fans didn't really love them that much. They could have just kept milking that whole thing, and uh, they still could. I think that they're still, still interesting guys. I think you're going to see a lot more interesting stuff out of them.
3: Well, one interesting guy, one interesting girl.
2: Yes, yes. She, Larry is now a female, I believe. It's not Larry. Yes. Is it Larry? I don't know. I, or is it Andy? I can't remember. I think it's Larry. Fuck. Who knows?
3: Uh, one of them.
2: <laughs> and the names change, too, because actually in the new film they're doing... The director credits i'll have to look it up but uh they so
3: the we'll just say the wakowskis instead yeah, of the wakowski brothers Wachows- yeah the
2: Wachowskis now so
3: yeah no but it's cool man they they clearly love their stuff their asian stuff you uh, can Seven it's from the matrix and in, in this and you know uh, yeah they take a big chance and i think it'll it'll serve them well you know it'll be hopefully some solace they'll find in it in 10 15 years when when people write about this film as being a, an underappreciated film when it came out um The Game of Death was next. It was a Netflix instant documentary. about. It was a French documentary about how far people will... uh, It it, it ties in TV and it ties in the social experiment. I think it was called either Milgard or Milgram. Mm -hmm. It did in the 60s where they had an actor who was pretending to get shocked every time um, uh, an unwitting uh, um, subject thought they were shocking them with a small electro uh, electrocution yeah. when they would answer a question wrong but they flipped it over and turned it into a reality like a, like a game show and they had all these people on and it was pretty, impre- pretty not impressive it was pretty scary and and uh, to see what people would do to other people under the pressures of TV and money and society and and, and uh, it just really really good stuff uh, yeah definitely worth a watch
2: it's a uh, Lana Wachowski now. so that was Larry
3: oh nice yeah nice. okay good um Next up was a film that was unbelievably cool. I'm gonna check out more films by this filmmaker. It was called, Eureka put it out. It was called, and I think Criterion also has it in a three movie set, The Face of Another. It's a Japanese film. That's it's similar to John Frankenheimer's Seconds.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, uh, a guy's in an accident. He he gets a. It's a little different, but it's similar. But he gets a new face, and uh, you kind of see what happens. It's it's really fantastic. Super cool. Super stylish. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, everyone should check it out. It's, it's fucking awesome.
1: Nice.
3: Um, then I watched The Illustrated Man with Rod Steiger, which is uh, based on uh, Bradbury. So it's written by Ray Bradbury. It was originally a story- series of 18 stories tied in with this character, the Illustrated Man, who had all these tattoos, although he doesn't like when they're called tattoos, <laughs> drawn on him. And then if you look at these, these illustrations... It takes you back to a certain story in the future or in the past. I think mostly in the future, though. And uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's not great in my eyes, but you get to see a naked tattooed Rod Steiger, which was kind of funny. I wasn't expecting that. Nice. Um, (laughs) And there's a pretty interesting little documentary on the the disc about the process of putting these tattoos. It took like six hours or eight hours at a time to put them on. And uh, it was pretty insane. So worth a watch, though. Sci-fi anthology, you know, we're all... Fancy anthology, so it was cool. Um, And last but not least, I rewatched what is easily one of the coolest films I've ever seen. Um, I I just adore it so much. I have such a crush on it, and that's uh, Sidney Pollock's *The Yakuza* with Ken Takakura and Super Cool himself, Robert Mitchum. Yes. So it holds. It's yeah. It's fucking. We'll do it on the show one day, man. It's uh, it's beyond sublimely amazingly cool and i think some of our friends are going to be covering on the show pretty soon if they ever get their their bums in gear yeah so yeah doing know what a, that means yeah
2: doing doing a podcast is not you'll find very quickly once you decide to start it it's not that easy to do yeah <laughs> it takes a lot that's so a lot of people don't know. I mean, I think we've said it before, back a long time ago. I think, what, we, we waited, uh, like, what, almost three months or something like that? Something three, something... I can't remember how long we waited before we actually started. I think we contacted each other in June. I think we started in September, so...
3: That's right, right after TIFF. And it was one of those things where my equipment c- came to me, like, late, and then they wanted to charge me a $100. Yeah. So we had it shipped to you and then shipped to me. And that's one of the reasons you ended up doing a lot of the technical stuff was because you had all that time to play with the equipment. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, I still couldn't fucking turn a dial on the mixer, so... <laughs> <laughs>
2: so... Yeah. Not always easy. No. All right, so I uh, only watched three other things, uh, but uh, they were all good, so um, I decided to dive into the world of the McNamara brothers. Uh, the McNamara brothers are uh, kickboxers up there in the good old Ontario area, and uh, they made a few films, and uh, I guess this would be, if we ever decided to do this, it would be a double deuce episode. But uh, I have to own uncool, uncool, uncool cat for these. Uh, I watched uh, Twin Dragon Encounter, uh, which is a film about, you know, the McNamara brothers. And in both of these films, they like to go to the lake and uh, get the pontoon boat out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just so happens, though, that, you know, the bad guys there, uh, I think his name is, I can't remember his name, but Jake. His name is Jake. That's right. Played by an actor known as B-Bob. And uh, B-Bob only made two movies, and it was these two movies. <laughs> Probably a good thing. Bebop's was pretty pretty bad, but he's he's entertaining in a lot of ways too. He's in the second one he sings a lot. Oh wow! But uh, yeah, I mean you know, they take a couple ladies up. You know, there's something weird about twin brothers who like to walk around with each other half naked and talk about their sexual exploits with women. Just doesn't feel right to me. Uh, but there's a lot of that kind of stuff and you know, some massive mustaches, mustachios, and some uh Holland Oates looking well, some Oates, John Oates looking uh <laughs> kickboxers. Uh a little bit of uh, you know, they look like seventies porn stars as well. Now these films were also made in the nineties, which is unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think nineties they, they were nineties or late eighties, either way, uh very close. And uh but Twin Dragon Encounters fun, you know, they go to the lake and they have to deal with the people's army uh which I was calling the People's Army of Ontario because that's where it was shot. And it's pretty obvious these films are Canadian. Uh, very obvious, I should say. Um, but yeah, the, these films are very Canadian, but they're fun, man. I mean, you know, the Twin Dragon Encounters is a lot of fun. And then, of course, Dragon Hunt is the sequel. And uh, it's also known as Dragon Kickboxers. It's a lot of fun, too. <laughs> the boys get framed in that one, which is pretty oh, funny. Uh, but it's pretty great, man. I mean, the, these films are fun. I imagine we're going to cover them at some point in time. So it might be like a Double Deuce episode, something like that. But a lot of fun. Second one's a little bit more Rambo esque, so.
3: You know, uh, you know what's cool is that I dated and almost married one of their top pupils' sisters.
2: Nice.
3: nice. <laughs> and he used to rock the twin dragon gear when he'd come to school, man. Like yes. Because uh, yeah, the twin dragon's not too far. Next time you're here, it's uh, it's not too far from where my mom lives.
2: Nice, nice. It'd be be very cool if we could, uh, you know, get some. I wonder if the guys, uh, uh, Tim was, uh, Ghetto Tim was joking around that he thinks he saw one of them working at the beer store, which for those of you who don't live in Canada, uh, I found this out when I was up there, that evidently you guys, you don't like sell beer. You don't really sell beer. Do you guys sell beer in the convenience stores, really, or?
3: Never. The only place in Canada that sells beer and wine and shit outside of the liquor store and the beer store is the Depenard, which is like a convenience store in Quebec. Oh, yeah, Other yeah. than that, nothing.
2: So, you know, Tim said the beer store, and I knew exactly what he meant when he said that. Because I remember yeah, riding, yeah. riding through your, you know, to, close to your house, and I looked over, and there was a store, and it's like, the beer store, you know? and So so I thought it was pretty cool. But, of course, you know, down here in America, they sell beer everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. But, uh, yeah, he said he thought he saw one of them working at the beer store. <laughs> So I don't That's know. Awesome. If so, then times have gotten hard for the McNamara brothers. But I, w- I would love to talk to these guys or I like, get some photos with them because they're 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 characters, man. I bet we could. Yeah, we probably could. It probably wouldn't be a problem. Uh, but uh, the only other film I watched, I watched a documentary. I finished it off last night when I got home, and that was uh, Bobby Fischer against the world. I'm I'm fascinated by people who you know seem to have, you know, the, I'm always fascinated with the line. There's a fine line between genius and insanity, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Bobby Fischer's a great example of that. You know, he's, you know, the world's chess champion. You know, he he basically had a time when chess was a really big deal. You know, he had, uh, or he made chess a big deal. He had the world at his fingertips, and then he just kind of disappeared and eventually, you know, kind of resurfaced as, you know, a madman. And, you know, kind of lost his mind a little bit in the the interim. And uh, I'm always fascinated by that, I really am. And, of course, the most fascinating thing about him is, you know, he really never had a childhood. He was so obsessed with chess that he, he never really developed, so he just went from Bobby Fischer, chess celebrity, to, you know, grown man, chess celebrity, and because of that, I think he kind of went off the deep end, and that's putting it lightly. So, uh, I'm always fascinated by that, you know, that, that some of the things, because, you know, as a parent now, you know, you wonder, you know, everything you do, you wonder if, you know, this is having some effect on your child, or this and that, you know, and, big time. and, and, and you never know. I mean, some obsessions for kids can turn into debilitations later. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if your kid like if your kid's obsessed with, uh, I don't know, video games, do you know, you, at some level you have to step in a little bit, even though it is their obsession, you got to step in a little bit, you know, and, and kind of break it up. It's not that they can't play video games, it's just you got to be careful not to let them do too much of anything. Everything's fine in moderation, right? So here's a situation where some people may have saw a route to more money, more fame, more whatever. And um, you know, obviously, it became a debilitating problem. So, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, that was def- playing
3: at the light box here. I wanted to see that. I think it's playing right now, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it's an HBO documentary, and uh, it was on uh, recorded it on the DVR. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting, man. Really interesting stuff. Cool. But that's all I watched on uh, other than the films for the show. So we'll take a short break and uh, talk about some very, <laughs> very fun movies. Uh. Which one you want to do first here? I mean, because uh, you know, really, <laughs> it's a roll of the dice on this one.
3: Uh, I'll let you pick. I picked last week.
2: All right, let's do some. Uh, let's do some uh, super fights then. Let's we'll go ahead and do super fights. Uh, that way, I can have more coffee, and you can lead on the review, and uh, cool. <laughs> and then we'll do viol- uh, parole violators after that. So
3: sounds like a plan.
2: All right. Uh, ooh, sound like Oso there, <laughs> special, <laughs> yes, special agent Oso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> only those of you with kids
3: will understand yes. that joke
2: sounds like a plan yeah, as long
3: as i don't uh, start singing three special or was it three special steps yeah three special steps that's how you know
2: <laughs> i'm always i don't sing it anymore cuz my son's not interested in my, my singing anymore now he's interested in my dancing so i dance so he'll dance you oh, know man. so we do the, you know that we do the baby squat dance which is always fun
3: i got to uh <laughs> i got to bribe your wife to, to discreetly have the iphone in hand and post to uh <laughs> you send me the video of you dancing, I'll put some music to it, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, my real dance is not much better than my Oso dancing.
3: <laughs> yeah, the things we do, man, <laughs> we act a fool for our kids.
2: Yeah, we're, we're real happy because uh, I think, uh, wait, well, yeah, last night, no, two nights ago, while the uh, NBA final game was on, uh, we were watching that kind of and, and everything else. And he took uh, he took five steps on his own amazing so you know very very exciting moment we freaked out he looked at us like we were crazy he didn't know what the hell our problem was but and then yeah, it wigs him out yeah yeah and it wigged yeah. him out it really did man he was like what the hell is wrong with you two <laughs> yeah and we got real excited you know we got the flip video out we started shooting video of him and stuff and he didn't know what that was going on but either way we were very happy so we're getting to that stage now so there we go all right we're going to take a short break we'll be back right after this <laughs>
3: Are you looking for a way to connect with people who like the things that you like? Whether it's music, movies, TV, or whatever you're into, head on over to the palaver.com forums.
5: Yes, Yes, but but forums forums and message boards boards are elitist and archaic. archaic.
6: Well, yeah, maybe if you're a asshole. Palaver.com is home to all your favorite podcasts. So why not head over there now?
5: Start talking about all the things you want to talk about. That's palaver.com,
6: P-A-L-A-V-R.com.
2: Even know what that song's called, it's another one from Roop. So, <laughs> but it, it, it sounded cool. I like the yeah, little kind well of little, little boogie stomp action there to go to it. All right, so our first film is uh, Superfights, and uh, this is from 1995, directed by. Let's hope I can. I don't. I don't know if I can pronounce this name or not, but I'll give it a shot. And you correct me if I'm wrong.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, I certainly will. Sorry, I was uh, just. Uh, Taking care
2: of something, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Hope it was, uh, you know, well, never mind. I don't want to go there. Kwang uh, <laughs> Sung, maybe.
3: Yeah, Kwang Sung. Yeah,
2: there we go. Okay, pretty close there. Getting good at that. Uh, yes. <laughs> so this is directed by him here. Uh, Surprises. This is rated PG thirteen, which I found insane when we watched the movie. But <laughs> yeah, um, I'll give a brief plot synopsis. I won't go into the whole one here. It's on IMDb because it kind of gives away the whole movie uh, basically. But uh, Jack Cody. Has always wanted to enter the world of super fights, a free fighting tournament. One night, he rescues a girl from a mugging, and he becomes a national hero. Uh, basically, then he becomes he gets the opportunity to become a super fighter. So, I'll leave it at that because there are some plot details, uh, also some other I mean, well, some other stuff that gets into the story of the film. So, I don't want to get into that. So, but uh, yeah, the, this film was uh, you know I watched this a while back. Uh, thought this would be fun to talk about on the show at some point in time. So, I think we both agree that both films are like that. Yeah. So uh, this is your I guess, this your first time watching it. So uh, let's see what you thought about the Super Fights.
3: <clears throat> All right. Uh, I had to cough off air. Um, <laughs> so Super Fights. Yeah, I'd heard a lot about this one. I know you dug it. I think on Cool Cat dug it. It's uh, certainly one for the ages. And, you know, it could be said it's it's got an interesting cast um and and crew quen xiong does a lot of martial arts like choreography and stuff in hong kong mm-hmm. um worked on a lot of films Worked with jackie chan Worked with donnie yen i mean he's worked with a lot of people um which is cool because both films this week have sort of a, an early 80s hong kong energy and insanity to them at times yes so which is which is really great um Brandon Gaines has only done this and I think, one other film, which, you know, he may not look the part, but he, he's pretty competent, and I'm surprised he didn't do more direct-to-video stuff.
2: Uh, yeah, phys- I mean, fight-wise, he is competent. <clears throat> he can go. Yeah, yeah, he, he he can hang in there, but uh, acting-wise, he might be a little—that might be the reason why he, st- he stepped out, but, hey, it is what it is. But fighting-wise, no, he's perfectly—I mean, perfectly fine.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, even if you take him and put him in a smaller role and just have him fighting more, I'm just I'm surprised he didn't do more. Um, mm-hmm. Fai Hong Yu, who plays his, his uh, love interest, Sally Wong, what's what's cool about her is that she went from the Joy Luck Club to this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's pretty cool. And then she also did uh, – she directed a film that's, I guess, gotten some, some acclaim lately. I if she did Eternal Beloved. Uh, a Thousand Years of Good Prayer. So, a lot of more serious art house fare, and then wedged in there is, is this awesome brick of cheese. So, <laughs> that's cool. Um, nice. Kelly Gallant, your girl. Uh,
2: <laughs> the, girl is, the girl is used loosely.
3: Yeah, it is. Uh, did three films, but all are GDTMC material <laughs> Talons of the Eagle and TC 2000, two Billy Blanks joints. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and, and both those will be covered. Yes, she, yeah,
2: she'll be back on the show. <laughs>
3: She certainly will. <laughs> Chuck Jeffries, who uh, thinks he's a poor man's Eddie Murphy, um, he also is a very skilled martial artist. He did a, lot, did a lot of stunt work, man, a lot of stunt work. He's been in a lot of films, mm-hmm. and I'll get to it as we go, because I wrote down the note, but he did a f- couple films that looked just insane.
2: Yeah, he's in one of my favorite films, Ghost Dog, The Way of a Samurai, although I don't That's remember right. him in the film. He probably doesn't stand out, but he's 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 just on all kinds of stuff. He's in Girl 6, all kinds of crap, man.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, Cliff Lenderman, who doesn't look like a Cliff Lenderman, Budokai, and and on and on it goes. I know um, RVD's in it, but they don't really, I don't think he has a line in it, does he?
2: No, he just does the uh, the fight with the rather King Kong Bundy looking dude who loses his shit. Yeah. He plays yeah. a character named Mercenary. <laughs> Some of the character names in this are hilarious.
3: <laughs> Nightstalker.
2: <laughs> oh, the Night Stalker moment is my one of my favorite fucking moments in movies ever. He's like, yeah. hey, how's it going? My name's uh, Cliff, better known as Nightstalker.
3: Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. (laughs) And uh, the thing is, I knew this film was going to be amazing because we we weren't even one minute in, and there was an oiled shirtless man with a leather vest dispensing foot justice. There was a black little person in genie pants and women in lycra with hair teased to the heavens delivering roundhouses that uh, Chuck would be envious of. And and then you get a Japanese man... (laughs) In this Billy with his Billy Ray Cyrus esque mullet and kabuki paint on his face, and <laughs> and they say super fight. Yeah. So it's like holy fuck, man! Talk about a buffet of, of yeah. goodness.
2: Yeah, and it gets this really crazy route the bed, and and I I was immediately into it, but then when when somebody comes running out of the back with a chair, I was like, this is it, I'm done. And this movie is awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh well, let, let's. Did you, did you plot uh, synopsis? I was going to say plot synopsize it. Did you synopsize? The Basically, film? yeah. But I, yeah, I just said you know. Yeah.
2: Brandon becomes a hero, and you know he gets lives lifelong dream of being in super fights, which is kind of like an MMA type thing.
3: Yeah, MMA slash wrestling.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's MMA with the the kind of bravado of wrestling.
3: That's right, exactly. Uh, and what's great is that early scene we see Brandon Gaines is the most enthusiastic fan <laughs> ever, yeah. ever. Like he loves it so much. He's screaming. He's he's just he's enjoying it so much and. Immediately it's weird because he's supposed to be like a twenty four twenty five year old man It looks like maybe a little younger i don't know, but he very much boyish in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. he goes to work and I don't know what job he has the time to set up this intricate uh this intricate kind of um gauntlet of, of dummies swinging on vines that he can punch out and boxes and yeah. and he's doing all these moves and yelling super fights yeah and i you know, I'm a super fighter and He's doing fucking you know, he's 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 rocking like these pleated olive pants with a shirt undone yet somehow tucked in and he's doing splits like Van Damme. I mean you know, it, it just and then his one of his coworkers comes in and he's like, Oh, get back to work, you're doing this again. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow that
2: uh, I think they were like like warehouse workers or something because the guy comes in and says, I need you to fill these orders. These orders got to get out today.
3: so Oh, right, right, right. So, that's right.
2: I think, you know, when I first the first time I watched this, I thought, you know, that's kind of just a silly, goofy scene. And of course, and, and still it makes no sense in the context of a movie. But at the same time, I think it's a setup to show you the kind of abilities of Brandon Gaines, the kind of acrobatic kind of karate that he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess you, that you buy it the rest of the way through the film because... What he lacks in size and stature, he makes up for in speed. Because I didn't see any undercrank of the camera, no. and the kid is fast.
3: He is fast, and he can move. Like I said, he can move. He can do the splits, kicks. I mean, he's he's pretty talented, man. Despite looking like a twink, he's yeah, he's got some moves, man.
2: He really does. I mean, he's less manly than Kelly Glunt. Certainly is. Well, then most of the cast is less manly than Kelly Glunt. Anyway, hope we never interview Kelly Glunt.
3: <laughs> yes, that's true I, Yeah, feel bad um, I love when he goes home And uh, his mom's making dinner for him And she goes, what honey, there's no ultra fights tonight? He goes, it's super fights, mom <laughs> It's just—it's weird, it's like this weird thing Where they make him almost like this 16 year old boy Or this 14, 12 year old boy
2: Oh yeah, yeah, and there's a scene a little later That really, really tries to sell that
3: Oh yeah when he yeah, gets last well,
2: you basically say when he, when he gets his dream townhouse
3: uh, yeah <laughs> it's like he's playing for uh, one of the Greek fucking basketball teams man <laughs> it's the second he signs up he's got an apartment uh, you know it's amazing
2: dude they even yeah. give him they even give him a geo tracker
3: that's right man they did <laughs> that's right <laughs> they go they go which, all out, bro it somehow suits him <laughs> well I think somehow. it's because
2: originally he's in this like kind of Jeep like Suzuki Samurai type thing.
3: Yeah, he was in the jeep uh, I don't know if yeah if it was an actual jeep jeep or was this I don't know what it was but uh yeah it's just somehow he suits the, the chick jeep but um <laughs> so yeah uh jeeps and apparently hot licks are the perfect recipe for foiling a rape outside a convenience store oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome he's he's driving around minding his business he sees this happen and he you know, just fucking floors the Jeep, not maybe realizing that he might splatter the chick that's about to get raped in the process and then she'll have worse problems than uh, than the rape. So he flies onto the scene, he's kicking ass and this is really what what gets it in emotion because this is what makes him as as everyone likes to say throughout the film, the all American hero.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they really they really sell that angle. It's up to the point to where, you know, his costume is just ridiculous. So
3: yeah, this is the greatest fanfare from a news story in the history of cinema. <laughs> like everyone's going fucking crazy when he when the story airs. Like his mom's like, "Oh my god, where have you been? I I taped this for you. I've been waiting for you for four hours, and it's uh, it's just amazing, man." How? Uh,
2: well, I like that the mom character kind of really doesn't really care for the ultra fights, quote unquote. Yeah, the first time around, but now that he's you know, and 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 she really still doesn't care for it once he admits that he's going to go into that world. But she does love that he's, you know, a violent American hero. Like she it's a it's a small thing, but I like that she, you know, accepts that her son's this hero. You know?
3: Yeah. But yeah, she, she no. doesn't
2: want to accept him as a super fighter.
3: That's right, or an ultra fighter, as she would say. But
2: in true mom fashion, she ends up going to the fights anyway.
3: And cheering him on and, and covering her eyes when he's Yeah, you know, getting punched and stuff. But uh Yeah, so <clears throat> anyway, the girl he ends up saving becomes his girlfriend and um What's great about her is she says, Well come back to my house. That's me. I want you to be my grandfather grandfather. When does she call him a uh cur- a lovable curmudgeon? Or she says something like that. She calls Maybe him not a,
2: curmudgeon. She calls him a codger.
3: Codger, a lovable codger. No, but she's a bit of a codger or something. Yeah, yeah. So and he's she, like
2: he's like, I like codgers. Or something yeah, like that. Like he says codgers. something he says something really lame. <laughs>
3: Well, what he doesn't like is is getting the von Eric claw administered to himself by himself yeah. by the grandfather, who's a real bodman. And the grandfather's great because he's got moves by Wong Fei Hung and hair by Suzanne Summers. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he knew that that wig should have been white because instead it's it's this poker straight blonde kind of yeah wig that he's rocking.
2: Well, it's obvious that he's not the age he's supposed to be playing. Yeah, so they try to give him this kind of almost pyme look. Yeah, uh, but what it really ends up doing is it looks like this kind of albino uh, Suzanne Summers clone. It's really It's really odd. <laughs> it's really weird. But uh, yeah, it, it, that's a fun fight inside the house. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it is. I also thought it was funny that everywhere in the house, like even on the, like the kitchen cabinets, there's like these Chinese sayings and stuff. Is like we have to sell that there's Chinese people living here.
3: <laughs> we have to like Chinese mysticize this house up. <laughs> yes. like, it, we they really had to in case the mouse can get the memo. But uh, let's let's say this you know we can talk about the the script and all the other things but what this film has and what it delivers in spades is pace the action and the action is very well done and the fights are good man like these are pretty impressive for a, a western film like yeah
2: i'm glad i'm glad you say that because the one one of my notes is uh you know say what you want to say about the movie it's fun to kind of poke front, front fun with it and everything else but the fights are good
3: oh yeah they are they definitely
2: are they're sold well i mean i think everybody sells them pretty well up to including the eddie murphy character yep i think they're all sold pretty well i mean there's a lot of goofy stuff in between the movies you know it is what it is but and you know really more than anything i think it's biggest crime is is fashion but that's you know that's the 90s you know it's you know there's the 90s there's exactly. hammer there's hammer pants in here there's there's, there's, there's zubaz pants <laughs> yeah there's, there's zubaz,
3: zubaz hammer <laughs> pants
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, this is true it's like every bad fashion choice of the 90s is in this movie, except for metal plate hats. We didn't see any of those. but Sadly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the fights, I, I never, I was never, that's the one thing about this movie and Pro Violators, I was, I was never bored. And that's the biggest crime any of these kind of, you know, second and third rate action movies can perform is the boredom.
3: And this is why... I will go out on a limb here and say with both our films, you will hear very favorable scores from both of us because I think as we've always said, what it comes back to with films of this ilk is are they doing what they promised they're going to do? Do they have any pretension about that? Or do they just simply deliver what they, what's on the tin, so to speak? And the answer is yes, absolutely in both cases. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, yeah, the all American hero, Jack Cody um, also, despite you know although he's an all-american hero he he certainly likes to wear all-american terry cloth daisy dukes during his rocky montage
2: and yeah and that's uh <laughs> that's a definite rocky montage when you say that don't say lightly because i mean literally it's just about a ripoff.
3: <laughs> it's amazing he's going he's, he's running he's pumping his fists as he's running and but instead of like the gray sweatsuit, like i said he's wearing terry cloth daisy duke shorts mm-hmm. but uh the kids are like, yeah, yeah, we love you. And he's running up the steps, and he's pumping his fists. And all they needed was uh, getting strong now. <laughs> yeah.
2: And instead of doing slow motion, they did freeze frame, which, you know, yeah. we're, we're big fans of the freeze frame. <laughs> so. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> they so did a know? freeze. He jumped into the air, raises his legs up, and they freeze. And he's like, yeah.
6: <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, the enthusiasm in the man boy that is Jack Cody yeah. doesn't die, <laughs> which is great. Uh, yeah, we talked about Eddie Murphy, Chuck uh, Jeffries. Maybe the worst name in the film, Dark Cloud.
2: It's <laughs> an unfortunate name, yes,
3: it is. Um, I love when he goes in to negotiate with uh, the Treat Williams-looking uh, Vince McMahon kind of uh, Sven Gali of <laughs> of the sort of super fights, and uh, again the, the boyish enthusiasm just comes through. He says, "Oh, how would you like to be a super fighter?" And he just like he just says this with such like joyous, enthusiasm, super fighter. I kill to be a super fighter. And he's just, the guy goes crazy, man. He's so excited. And you know, it's, uh, that guy,
2: funny. that guy, the, uh, Sawyer character, the, the owner of the super fights promotion, I guess it should be said. Mm-hmm. He's not, it says on his IMDB that he's only a first degree black belt, but you know, as, as far as movie selling karate goes, he does pretty damn well. I think, and I say that because they have a pretty epic uh, – we have a pretty epic climax in this film. So.
3: Well, he was a world karate champion and U.S. national karate champion, it says, for three years. So, oh, so he's, he's got to be uh, – I think um, – I think, you know what? I think this is just poorly written. I think what it's trying to say is um, – oh, no, it is. Okay, it's saying in two years he earned his first black belt oh, okay. from when he started. So he's, yeah, pretty, he's much more accomplished he's, than that. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's good. He uh, Oh, I didn't know he was in Force 5, which is a, a film I quite enjoy. Revenge of the Ninja. He, he's in Meals on Wheels. I don't remember him in that. And then, <laughs> again, getting into the Bresden territory. No Retreat, No Surrender 3, American Kickboxer.
2: Yeah, Blood, oh. Moon, Blood Moon, which is a, another one of these films from this director, and it's a Gary Daniels joint.
3: Which I looked at, and it looks amazing.
2: Yeah, the cover is amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah, Blood Moon. And you know what's funny about Gary Daniels is... I couldn't place who Angel looked like, and Angel looks like Gary Daniels. <laughs> I
2: never even thought of it until just now. You're right; Angel does totally. look like Gary Daniels.
3: <laughs> yeah, or maybe Gary Daniels looks like Angel. Maybe we have a Larry Wachowski thing going on here. Nice, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, pretty accomplished. Again, all of them have fighting history, fighting backgrounds, which is good because you never, have, no one has to ever has to carry it. You know, it's everyone can can handle their shit.
2: The only um, thing about Sawyer I would complain about, Keith Vitale, that actor, is his voice. I know it's, it seems like a light thing, but his voice is just kind of doesn't really fit his role for some reason. He seems kind of, it seems like uh, kind of the voice is really weak, but I'm glad they didn't dub it. I'm glad they kept his real voice.
3: Absolutely. I could see what you mean. You'd think it would be a little more sleazy, mm-hmm. deep, or something, but yeah. Angel, though, yeah, we talked about her, man. I think we'd said this off the air, but Aaron Eckhart would weep openly in envy at her jawline. <laughs> yes,
2: and, yes. Uh, really impressive. Again, for you, those of you who don't follow us on uh, Facebook and stuff, you know, I had to. Uh, finding a picture of Kelly Gallant was not easy. Believe it You'd or not,
3: you have to do a screenshot or something on VLC, maybe. Yeah, it
2: wasn't easy. It was tough. Oh yeah, but she's only done three films. I think she's a. Isn't she a female kickboxing champion though? Yep. Yeah, I thought so.
3: Yep, she's, she's good in the film. Yeah, she's, she's very competent and, too. You, know, you get into her; she's good. Um, so when she, when Jack Cody's going to train with with Kelly, and you can cut the sexual tension with uh, Sai, <laughs> she's uh, they're training in something that looks almost like a cross between Ivan Drago's training center in Rocky IV and Charles Xavier's Danger Room. <laughs> Yeah. it's it's pretty amazing. And you know like where they had those poles coming out of the wall, mm-hmm. you know there was guys on of those walls fucking pushing those things.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No <laughs> doubt. That, yeah. that 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 would be an easy camera setup, but I like the uh, punching into the light, you know, they put a little smoke into it so they can catch the speed of his punches and his kicks.
3: Oh yeah. It's pretty great. Um <clears throat> what's great is during that seduction scene too, the the tickling of the ivory starts, the saxophone comes in. And Kelly Gallant reveals what her favorite vital sign is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, for those of our listeners that, that don't know, she she certainly she grabs the junk of one Jack Cody and uh, and indicates that that's how she knows.
2: And Jack, he, he's he's uncomfortable. He's both turned on and yet he's like, Kelly, should we be doing this?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. And it's uh, <laughs> and then we get
2: a little <laughs> later during that training montage. You get a little later. That's when you get the the bare ass shot of Kelly Gallant. And side boob.
3: I didn't see that. I don't know. I was maybe taking note at the time.
2: Well, I don't know if it's worth going back and looking for no. it, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, that's when I was kind of surprised, you know, it's PG 13 stuff. Cause you know, I was like, well, that's, I mean, I guess you get away with that nudity, but you know, it seemed a little bit more than a PG 13 to me.
3: Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Especially with the violence towards like citizens in their place of business and stuff, <laughs> you know, you're going to get away with it with like the wrestling stuff. Cause you could just chalk it up to that, but yeah, there's other stuff, but, uh, um, what's great is when Jack Cody finally gets in the ring. True to his All American Hero name, he he's got a pretty amazing outfit. Um, again, that ties him with Rocky and Rocky Four. Rocky had like the the Stars and Stripes <laughs> boxing shorts, and Jack <laughs> Cody wears a Stars and Stripes karate gi with spandex pants and desert boots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really selling. They're um, really selling uh, the American uh, Hero angle. <laughs>
3: Yeah, they really are, really are. And he's sort of like the one-two-three kid, in a way. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: But yeah, this underdog, young underdog. Um, yeah, you, you talked about, I think we, yeah, we did open with a song, the American Hero Superfighter song, which is good. And his first match, he takes on Corporal Kirshner, it looks like, and he dispenses of him pretty quickly. Um, and Jack, man, I, I got I to gotta ask what Jack Cody was thinking when he turns down the silk panties and silk half blouse combo that... That, I mean, angels pulling out all the stops, <laughs> you know. And even the silk panties and silk half blouses don't work, man. It's, yeah. uh I don't know. I actually, he,
2: you know, he's he's wanting to save his chi, man. Fucking test
3: true heart. He doesn't want any part of it. <laughs> um, and then I don't know if you caught this. I'm sure you did. It, uh, right after that, that, that near seduction scene, it cuts to uh, the workout scene with all the, the super fighters. And this first dude they show, I don't know if he was Samoan or what he was, but he had mullet for days. Oh, yeah. Like, it was super short on top, and it fucking flowed like the Niagara Falls on the back.
2: Yeah.
3: Like, it was pretty amazing. And I was hoping we'd get another shot of it, but we didn't. It was just that one shot.
2: I love the workout scene. I love the uh, the decadence of uh, the, these vitamins, quote-unquote, that all of them are taking. And I love that, you know, we get a bikinied uh, servant passing out the vitamins. Yeah. And the grunting, yeah. the grunting for you know. like after they take the vitamin it immediately takes effect
3: yeah oh it's great man they get in these big they're like in these big bottles that say super fights or super fighter on it yeah that's great and we find out later that that uh, scarily these these um pills although unwitting to jack cody at the time are a mixture of steroid growth hormone and mind control (laughs) and these horse pills they're taking
2: i love that they mixed in mind control mind
3: control (laughs) like a manchurian candidate um so yeah. And uh yeah, Brandon Gaines he he scales it back a bit from the but, start but, straight. Wait,
2: wait, hang on. Like, well, by the way, we find that information out from a ninja.
3: And it should be said that the ninja wears almost like a sweatsuit ninja suit, and what's great is uh the ninja isn't above talking shit. And he he you know, he gets on Jack Cody when Jack Cody's walking back through the forest or something and <laughs> And the ninja says something about him not being a good fighter. He goes, bullshit, I'm a great fighter. And the ninja goes, I don't think so. And, you know, they end up fighting and it's like they fight and the ninja says what he has to say and basically tells him that, you know, super fights isn't what it's cracked up to be. And and I got to ask you, I mean, who needs a smoke bomb when you can just pipe in some fulci fog and and, and, and ninja, the ninja can run away through the forest?
2: <laughs> I often thought to myself... You know, what if some kid's walking through the park and, uh, you know, all of a sudden he just sees some guy running through the park as a ninja? You know, where, where's that reaction shot? That's what I need in this kind of movie. Oh, well, for sure. <laughs> it's like a Sasquatch sure. sighting or something. Like, look, look mom, a ninja. Mom's yeah, like, be, oh, man. come on now. There's no yeah, such thing as ninja.
3: <laughs> because he wouldn't have been good enough to hide. Like, he was just a <laughs> plain sight ninja.
2: Yeah, and he's a big ninja, too. Anyway, he's a rather large man. He is. Which he I won't give big anything big. away, but, you know.
3: Yeah, I I have to say, I was. I admitted the although as obvious as it was <laughs> I didn't really see it so that's you know when it, the reveal happened I was like oh, okay cool well it, um, it,
2: it's not really handled well in the story now I'm, I'm, I, I, this is kind of like a serious part of the review here but it, it at first I thought it was like a uh, I hope this isn't giving too much away but I almost thought it was like a like an evil twin type thing <laughs>
3: Oh, did you? But I didn't know what was going on. Well, that's the thing. You don't really know, and I didn't know if uh, – you know who I thought it was, even though the size wouldn't have been at all in line was – I hope this isn't giving anything away. I hope I thought it was going to be the grandfather.
2: <laughs> that that would have been awesome.
3: Yeah, I just – I don't know. I, even though it didn't look like him, I thought maybe it was, and it was some mind-control shit that he was doing <laughs> to make him think he was bigger. I don't know. I overthought it, I think, but <clears> – <throat> what's great about these films when they have that energy is in a lot of times they live in a universe where 90% of the population knows martial arts.
2: Yes. Yes. That's the, it's like, it's like common practice for everybody in some way or form that, you know, that they've trained, that they, have you know, they, they, they all know that and stuff. So I didn't know the writer of this wrote all three, no treat, no retreat, no surrenders. Didn't know that, know that now.
3: Keith Strandberg, a man after our heart. Um, I got to ask you, how many purple windbreakers does Jack own? Uh, he owns a lot.
2: And yeah. that, that's the amazing thing. When they give him the geo tracker, it almost matches his outfits. It does. <laughs> it's like, we got to get this kid a car. Like, oh, you know, yeah. he, he seems to like turquoise blue, purple, yeah, and, just... and a slight hot pink.
3: <laughs> Let's get him yeah. a geo tracker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they nailed it, man. Um, the question is, what came first in the making of this film, the tracker or the, the wardrobe? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Um, Well,
2: you know, we've we've often talked about this. The 90s were just a really bad time for fashion. You know, they just, oh god, it was just really rough. You know, between hammer pants and skids pants and, well, Zubaz pants and all kinds of other things. Just a bad time. And really, it wasn't that the clothes themselves, like the single items were bad. It was the way society mixed and matched them that really kind of jacked them up. And uh, Cody, you know, Jack Cody, he wears the, also this time, you know, people wore jeans and they were very pegged. Remember, you know, the, the legs go, you know, right down to the ankle. And oh god. his pants <laughs> are very very tight <laughs> yeah and they look yeah. like they'd fit my son
3: <laughs> yes they probably would yeah, they're
2: <laughs> I'd be curious how tall Brandon Gaines is because he can't be very tall I'd say he's probably roughly 5'6 five, 5'7 five, maybe
3: that's exactly what I thought too yeah he's right in there um I got to, you know, because this is a fashion play kind of film. The Japanese Samoan dude, Budokai, that guy loves wearing three-quarter length satin robes and striped Zubaz pants.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like,
3: that's his winning combination. <laughs> doesn't matter if he's shaking down local gangs or Chinese restaurant owners or he's in the wrestling ring. It's three-quarter length satin robes for him with striped Zubaz pants.
2: That's one of my favorite things about the movie. My favorite thing is is that the, the established super fighters only dress slightly different outside of the <laughs> ring. Then they do it yeah. inside of their ring, you know? So yeah. it, it's like they have they have their fighting clothes, and then they have their casual clothes.
3: <laughs> and yeah, the line is blurred. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so everybody on the streets knows they're super fighters, you know? <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the fat guy in this, like this Butterbean, King Kong Bundy kind of guy, he looked like the Mountie, the love child of the Mount, like fashion-wise, the Mountie. And what was that video game in the late 80s, early 90s with the Russian guy Karnov? Was that what it was called?
2: Uh yeah the, the the I think it was called that something like that yeah that sounds wow that's really pulling one from the past there brother
3: I bet you I bet you Roop would know this wow I played that game Yeah, remember he had like yeah fuck I'm gonna Google it right now but this guy dressed like a mixture of the Mountie and Carnov
2: <laughs> yeah I didn't really think about that I I immediately actually thought you know King Kong Bundy because you know <coughs> the way he kind of he almost wrestles like Bundy a yes bit. it
3: was Carnov I was right
2: that that is, that is a good pull right there. <coughs> Nice. Talk about a pop culture pool, man. Tarantino's got nothing on you, brother. <laughs> Jesus.
3: Nice. And it should be said, Karnov's full name was Jinborov Karnovsky.
2: Oh, nice. Nice. nice.
3: <laughs> wow. Very good. Uh, <laughs> fuck. So, yeah, the, the big dude. Um, and, uh, oh, getting back to the Rocky thing, because Rocky clearly was a well that they went to a few times. They've even got, like, the, the shirtless slow-mo beach – training sequence with the sun going down we just see the shadow of our hero <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just great and it's got some great music
2: Yeah. if, if there's uh, one gripe <clears throat> I have about the movie though is that the music is sometimes it's a, almost a little too triumphant in spots where it doesn't need to be
3: very triumphant
2: yeah I mean it's like it's celebrating every little thing Jack does
3: I'm glad you said that because I, I couldn't quite find the word I was looking for to describe it, and triumphant is
2: yeah. It's like
3: really the music. If,
2: if this character was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it would be the <laughs> most amazing peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's what the music sells you for.
3: Yeah, it was Steve Vai would come in on like a yeah. like a like a, a guitar, and it would just be or like what even the video, um, the Top Gun theme. Um, oh yeah, It's yeah. just it's just the fucking dude playing was a Jan DeBod or Jan.
2: Okay, not Jan DeBond. That's the director of Speed. But uh, no, no,
3: Jay, I always mix up the two Jans. Uh, Jan Hammer? Jan, or Jan, Jan Hammer or Jan Hammer, whatever <laughs> the fuck it is. Yeah, Jan where Hammer. Where he's just playing music in like that warehouse. Like That's what I think would be happening if he was to eat this or make this peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> like Jan Hammer would walk in or whoever the fuck it was and uh, just be playing and kind of nodding like knowingly and approvingly at the making of this peanut butter sandwich. Yes. <laughs> triumphant. Good call. Yes. Um, this film I meant to mention to you... Uh, where is it? Fuck, I just lost it now. <laughs> it's got uh I think it maybe it was Blood Moon. We briefly talked about. Um No, that's not the one. Although RVD's in that one too. There's one he did with it was him. Um Darren Shalavi, who's like a, a British Iranian martial artist. Anyway, it looks pretty good, but we've seen a lot of bad fake beards in film, right?
2: Oh, yeah, I'd say we, we might be the podcast that leads the bunch in that, in that regard.
3: I would say we probably do. <laughs> I can say with complete confidence that this film has the worst fake beard in the history of cinema.
2: Yes, it's really bad. I mean, it's like like uh, that new Sasha Baron Cohen dictator film he's making. I've seen pictures of all over the Internet lately. It's, it's the most ridiculous beard. And this is uh, this is I don't want to give anything away because it's a plot point. Although it's a pretty fucking obvious one right from the get go. <laughs> but uh, this gentleman Jim Steele is the actor's name. Looks like he was a professional wrestler at some point, uh, and it's pretty obvious he would be. This guy's gigantic, He's a big dude. Yeah, he is. But obviously, he had no he had no real ability to grow a beard. So they give him a, a savage look. He's known as the Beast in the movie. So. I don't want to give anything else away about it because it's a plot point, but uh, yeah, it's it's the worst beard I think I've ever seen. It's like boggy it's, creek.
3: It's <laughs> it's yeah, it's unbelievably amazing. Uh, I can't, but like, I don't even know what what sort of material or texture to describe it as. Just
2: uh, yeah, even even like the yaks are like, dude, you should have used some yak hair, man. Yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what's great is when one of um, Jack's friends is gets punched out. He uses this healing technique where he heals just above his cock. He puts his hand just above his cock and tries to heal him with a combination of cock healing and acupuncture. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of funny. It's a meta thing for us. Um, The last fight's pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, you get a few different characters thrown down, and it's a factory fight. Um, But there's no bandsaws or flames or conveyor belts or, or meat hooks. But it's got everything else, including a bizarre close-up of jack at one point like it's extreme close-up that doesn't quite make any sense but uh no i, I gotta hand it to it man it's uh good stuff good good stuff
2: nice is that all your notes <clears throat> yes okay um yeah so like i was saying you know if you're not in like the first five or ten minutes if you're not in this obviously isn't a movie for you but i think if you listen to this show and you like some of the stuff we like i think you'll be in right from the get-go um a lot of my notes are pretty much stuff you went over so which is what i kind of knew would be the case when it comes to movies like this but this is you know your basic kind of underdog uh, you know good boy done good done do, done well you know fighting the system type of movie so it's it's a good it's a it's a good way to go uh, although jack in the beginning as much as i like him and his enthusiasm stuff he's almost a little bit of a douchebag in some moments in the beginning, you know, he's just like, you know, he's like so obnoxious sometimes, but you end up getting behind his character. So, you know, I think they did a good job of kind of making that transition from, a, you know, childish douchebag to, you know, a guy that realizes what, what what's really important, you know. And of course, it takes Tai Chi for him to, you know, realize what's important, but that's okay, uh, including some, uh, <laughs> some really interesting training sessions with uh, Grandpa. Um, like I said, I like the introduction of the fighters to Jack when he goes to the office and stuff. And, you know, like the guy, at the cliff, he's like also known as Night Stalker. Yeah. I'm just like, Jesus, man, who's this guy? You know, <laughs> I also think that the uh, the contract he signs is like cartoon funny. You know, it's like the biggest yeah. contract, man. It's like it's like six phone books. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. huge.
3: <laughs> it's like, yeah, like he unrolls the scroll and it rolls across the page pretty much to get an idea like that sort of that sort of thing.
2: And, no, and, and he usually is the most excited person i've ever seen for a townhouse i mean i've I've seen people get excited i mean you know his his home didn't look like it was that bad but no, evidently, it looked all right yeah you know, the townhouse evidently just kind of took it over you know he had. A team well, i think it was the townhouse
3: geotracker that could, that combination
2: well that and angel as well so
3: an angel yeah. yeah she
2: had white yeah. spandex on when they were touring the house so that might have had something to do with it too yeah
3: absolutely <laughs> man
2: <laughs> uh we talked about the fighting how they bad and stuff uh um. Wait, wait, wait. What did I write? Oh, I, th- I think this might be. Th- and I, I, I can say this with pure honesty. I believe this is the first film I've ever seen where you know a jog in the park leads to a fight with a ninja. I don't think. <laughs> I don't even know if Godfrey hose even used that plot device. So, if not, it's am- amazing. But uh, also, we forgot to mention, man. Uh, we always say this stuff. You know, we love saying the most, uh, the most awesome thing in cinema history. But this is easily for me now the most dangerous ceiling fan I've ever seen in a cinema a movie in a movie ever. <laughs> I had no idea, you know, this changes the whole perception. I will never raise my kid up higher than the ceiling fan. I'll tell you that right now. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, that character, you know, he does a real good job of, you know, taking the prick role and stuff. And, and, you know, the, the, you know, there's some other plot devices and stuff that are interesting. I don't want to get into stuff. Rob Van Dam's fun. He he doesn't really say anything, but you know, he shows his his talents in the ring. Which you know, if those of you who don't watch wrestling, if you're not familiar with Rob Van Dam, you know, check out. I mean, Rob, you know, he's very much a acrobatic type wrestler and stuff. But he's always, I always thought he's a very talented guy. As far as uh, that goes, and I think I told you when I went up to Tiff that a couple years ago, I think I think he was on the plane with me. I don't know if I RBD, told you. Yeah, yeah, I think Thank I think I think, he, I think he was. I think he was on the plane with me. I think he was down here in Louisville doing some stuff and. And then, uh you know, because he had this guy looked just like him, it had to have been him, and he was kind of big and buff, uh not very much taller than me, but uh, and he had this girlfriend that was just you know one of those type of girls, you know was I, it angel maybe <laughs> that's what it looked like, so you know whatever, but I think he you know, but I didn't have the guts to say, are you r v d Are you Mr Monday night?
3: Did he smell like weed and Doritos <laughs>
2: <No>. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice but uh, yeah I mean there's a lot of great scenes in this film I mean it's hard for me to both of these films it was really really difficult for me to pick a make or break scene Yeah, Uh, but I'm really glad that you dug it I knew you would I mean I remember watching it the first time and I remember thinking oh yeah this is going to be on the show because this is right up our alley and uh, yeah I'm glad you dug it quite a bit so I don't really have much else to add so if you want to go into your make or breaks MVTs
3: sure Uh, again like you said totally the same way I couldn't me, it was hard to pick uh, an open. Uh, I'm like, great, but I'm gonna go with the opening super fight because we get everything thrown at us right away that we need. And Jack's coming in tandem with Jack's enthusiasm. Um, it's like, okay, I know what I'm in for, man. This is this is great. Right away, I was just, <laughs> I get sink back in my chair and just enjoy it. Um, MVT is just the pastiness, man. We talked about that, and we we're probably gonna come back to something similar when we do pro violators, but. Um, it just <clears throat> never is dull. There's never a dull moment in this film. And this is an action film. It's a martial arts film, but martial arts is, you know, under the umbrella of action film. And and in saying that you want your film to have action, to have pace, this film never for a moment was I bored. So uh, good on it. I'm going to give it a 7.5, man. Uh, you know, oh, nice. I know sometimes these scores for these kind of junky action films seem high, but, you know, like I said, it's important to emphasize that I'm always rating them on. What they're trying to accomplish and how successful they are. I mean, a combination of that and kind of serious uh, critique. But, but yeah, a really strong recommend, man. This one's a buy for sure. It's it's you can get a lot of mileage out of this one.
2: Yeah, yeah. This is one of those. You know, you hear a lot of shows say this and stuff, but this is one of those movies. Like, you know, you get people together and stuff. You throw this on, man. People are just having a blast. You know, it's one of those type of films. So. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mention that. We always mention that when we do these reviews for these type of films. You know, they seem high for these kind of movies because my score is not much different than yours. And, uh, you know, would you know would I consider, you know, a film by Orson Welles, but would I give it the same score? Do I consider them on the same level? Probably not. But you got to go, you know, when you criticize something like this, you got to go with entertainment value because ultimately it's all about entertainment, you know. so
3: They're not trying to make art. They're trying to yeah. entertain.
2: Yeah. And they typically do a good job at that. That's one of the reasons why I love this genre so much. And I think people like, you know, uh, neck and, and Carl Bresden and, and so many and uncle cat and so many of our listeners and so many people out there like these films is because they're, you know, they're infinitely entertaining. They, they're they calling the times capsule of a time that, you know, there's almost a, it's, it's almost an innocence to the entertainment value of them. I don't know what it is. Yep. But. Uh, okay. My make or break. I w- I too agree with you. The first five or 10 minutes is amazing. But just to mix things up a little bit, I'll give it to the last fifteen to twenty minutes of the film, where everything's nice. really coming to an head. Uh, although I do agree with you, man, the first you know five or ten minutes, fucking amazing. So, but there's so many great moments. I mean, the the ATM machine scene is awesome. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 super fighters and the gangsters, are the uh, the under the tunnel scene, or the under the bridge theme scene, you know. Uh, this this is amazing. So many great scenes, you know. So many the ninja in the park. I mean, so much great stuff. So
3: the burly ninja in the park.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> scenes of a, a gigantic man with a fake beard and a, and oh, by the way, a a collar that uh, shocks. We forgot to mention. Yeah. The oh, the shock the collar. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. So we look did. at that. The craziness going on. uh My MVT. I'm going to go with uh, the fighting in general because that's the one thing I think that really holds up in this movie. Even if you thought the whole movie was silly. As as an action fan or a martial arts fan, I don't think you could argue that the, the fighting isn't good. There's a few strained moments where the fighting maybe looks a little rushed. But among our leads, it works pretty much all the time. And it's well choreographed, well shot. And, uh, you know, without undercranking the camera, it's very fast. Very fast stuff. And I, I, and I also like that it's a mixture of professional wrestling and karate. and, and, and I like that because it, it gives it to some kind of extra oomph you know so I kind of like
3: it. Oh, totally agree totally agree because to make it one or the other makes it either too goofy or too serious not that it's a serious film but it's a good combination because it combines yeah I, I agree It's
2: mm. perfectly. my score for the film was a straight 7 out of 10 again sounds like a high score for a movie like this but you know I mean it's I watched it again and I was you know just terribly entertained once again when I watched it again yesterday I just I couldn't turn I away mean, I or two days ago I just couldn't turn away and, you know, I just watched the film a few weeks back, or about a month ago, so you would think maybe I'd just kind of fast-forward through it and skim it and write down the notes that I probably would have taken then. Oh, hell no, man. I watched this from beginning real to the very end, and I loved every second of it again, so, yeah. Probably
3: put on your three-quarter length silk robe <laughs> while watching it, man. You got so pumped, up. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, whenever I watch these movies, I never wear a shirt. It's critical.
3: That is essential, I think, to the appreciation.
2: (laughs) And then once I dig the Cheetos out of my navel, everything's good. (laughs) All right, so uh, that is Super Fights. So we are going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about parole violators. So we'll be back right right after this. Crom, I have
5: never played to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good podcasters or bad why we recorded or why we voicemailed all that matters is Metal Mikey stood against many that's what's important valor pleases you, Chrom so grant me one request grant me Action Attraction and if you do not listen let hell with you Action Attraction, the Action Movie Review Podcast you can find Action Attraction through metalmikey.lipson.com or at www.pennycult.com or by searching for Action Attraction in iTunes.
2: A uh, little, little birthday break for my boy Metal Mikey, His birthday was yesterday. So
3: very nice, yeah.
2: Some, some metal in there and everything. So
3: did you see the uh, the, po- <laughs> the picture I posted on Mikey's wall for his birthday?
2: Yes, I did, in fact. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man!
2: Again, if you're not following us on Facebook, you probably should be.
3: <laughs> if you like our show, you know yeah. it's it's one of those things. There's a lot of extra shit that goes on there. That's <laughs> that's pretty fun. Because I
2: promise you, those. we will interact
3: oh totally man totally
2: <laughs> so we have a lot of fun on there uh, i've been able to access facebook at work a lot so i'm on there a lot more now than i used to be oh
3: yeah, that's so. cool yeah i noticed a <laughs> bit of a bump and
2: yeah i'm able to post stuff and do all kinds of stuff you know you can't it's hard to do that from a phone so you know it's a lot easier to do it from a computer so i've been able to do a lot more fun stuff so look forward to more of that in the future and i am sam Rye, sam U Rye on the facebook so you'll find me on there or at least join our group at the very least come on
3: and then you'll find us all.
2: Yes. yes. All right. So our next film is Parole Violators from 94. I'm going to let you synopsize and uh, maybe give a little brief history on <laughs> how this film came about. And uh, then we'll talk about it here.
3: Okay. This is a film. We've actually posted the cover for this film. I said, no, sorry. Let me. I'm getting way ahead well, of myself. Well, we posted Sean Donahue, but it was – there's a We film. thought it was Gary Daniels.
2: Yeah, there's a film out there with Sean Donahue on the cover that says Kickbox Terminator. Yeah, which is a film we covered <laughs> with Gary Daniels, which I don't even remember my review of that film at all. I forgot we even re- re- reviewed it. <laughs>
3: yeah, I remember because yeah, I, I have a foggy notion of it. I remember a little bit. I remember a fight in like in a in like a uh, like a like a high rise kind of uh, yeah building or something. Yeah, yeah
2: totally different than like these kind of films. It's one of those ones it's almost <laughs> forgettable because I've totally forgotten most of it. So
3: yeah, but uh, Pro Violators, it's. Uh, it's it's quite the thing now man a lot of people have have latched on to it um i was lucky enough to there's a great i gotta give my hat tip because i would be remiss if i didn't there's a great site called i can't remember the actual website but if you google critical condition online it's a guy who's got the most amazing vhs collection um and he does little short reviews on a lot of the films he covers and uh I'd always I'd seen the profile later's cover and I remember reading this review of his a while ago and then I was just I was in the mood to watch something junky and rompy and and uh, and fun and I, I reread his uh his profile later's capsule review and I thought, man, this this has to get watched. So I watched it and I, I threw something out there that I think was with a word that had our community kind of take notice and I said, guys, this is this is stabilizer good. <laughs> and I think that kind of I don't want to take notice because stabilizer is you know a real gold standard kind of uh, oh yeah. pantheon film uh, of its of its you know of its uh, genre. So I, I was like, do I really want to use the stabilizer word here, man? Because once you use it, you can't you can't put the genie back in the bottle. And um, I, I'm confident now in seeing it a second time that it is a stabilizer esque movie uh, as far as it goes. So yeah, this is written and directed by Patrick Donahue, starring his son, Sean Donahue. Um, I picked this. I am very curious to see what you you think before I pass it over to you. Let me just synopsize it very quickly, though. TV host Miles Long, great porn name, (laughs) trades his camera in for a 9mm handgun when his girlfriend's daughter is kidnapped by a parolee that he put behind bars while on the police force. I think that sums it up fine.
2: Uh, Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, I love, one of my favorite things about this movie is it would be a great drinking game to take a shot every time somebody says, Miles, (laughs) because man, uh, his name is said a lot in this, so anyway, uh, yeah, so, you know, I pursued this film immediately when I heard the, uh, you know, the high prestige for it, it's kind of caught on, it's kind of went viral a little bit, uh, partially due to us, obviously, and then partially due to... Root mentioning and then uh I can't remember who it was. Was it uh, Brian
3: Kelly. Yeah, Brian Kelly. Good friend of the show.
2: Yeah, he he kinda went by, crazy with it and then it got mentioned on I think Badass Digest. Yep. And so, you know, it's out there. You know, people are really talking about it and stuff and it's it's craziness. So
3: Because the trailer, the trailer really sells it perfectly.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh so this is, you know, directed by Patrick Donahue. Now Patrick Donahue's directed a few films. Uh Uh, He's obviously a vain individual. (laughs) I'm just looking at his IMDb and I'm like, wow, uh, hello.
3: The third picture from, well, uh, the the third picture from the right (laughs) where he's got the John Lennon glasses on and the platinum blonde hair is pretty amazing.
2: That is amazing. So evidently, you know, he he was in this movie. Oh, yeah, he was the store robber. That's right. Okay. I see it now. But he's in uh, he's in a uh, I think a uh, David Pryor film too Kill Squad but uh, no that's 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 one of his movies my bad Kill Squad it's one of his movies I guess he's only made movies for himself
3: <laughs> amazing
2: so he directed five movies Kill Squad they call me Macho Woman which sounds intriguing
3: which is an incredible title yeah
2: Parole Violators Ground Rules and the Abominable which I think I, the Abominable was written by his son but I don't think it stars him so
3: these Blood, get, oh, he didn't do Blood Fist?
2: no he didn't Nope.
3: Oh, that's weird, man, because is Fist is a Sean Donahue film I watched a few weeks ago, but I thought he directed that. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, the these guys, you know, working together, father, son, it's kind of different, you know? I really want to see this Ground Rules film, though, because it's got Sean Donahue, Frank Stallone, and Richard Lynch in it, so... Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So... You know, so, you know, mostly Sean Donahue nowadays does stunt work. I don't really think he does much else. As a matter of fact, I think his last credit was 2004, if you don't count that writing credit for the Abominable, which was 2006. He's kind of disappeared off the map, so I don't know what he's doing nowadays. It would be kind of great to kind of talk to him at some point, maybe. Maybe this would be one of those interviews, you know, would be like a dream come true for us. It might be kind of fun to kind of look into trying to get a hold of this guy.
3: We should. I think we really should. He, I, I think he looks... Like a nice guy. Yeah. You know, he tends to play in film, but I think he's probably a super nice guy uh, who would probably have a lot of great stories to tell. Yes.
2: Certainly. So let's jump into it here. You know how I love cheap insults in movies? And this one has one of my favorites when uh, Miles decides to drop uh, the butt breath yeah. down on uh, who, who we find out is his dad, actually. Uh, you know, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I don't know how many people get to live their childhood dream of being in a movie directed by their dad and getting to call their dad Butt Breath.
3: To punch him out, yeah, and call him Butt Breath.
2: (laughs) But it's pretty great. What Pearl is basically is, it's, it's like a, it's like cheaters. Yes. It's like that kind of show. And and I love in the, in the movie, how they always call him the video cop. (laughs) Yeah, the video cop. Which would have been a great name for the show movie too. Video cop would have been a great name too. But, uh, I love how they always call him video cop and, uh, he sets it up pretty quick i mean he basically wears the ninja outfit from super fights yeah. and uh which is odd <laughs> i was like just follow a through line through our two movies this week wait a minute both people were wearing a ski mask because that wasn't a ninja outfit in the first film i meant, forgot to mention that i really thought it was more a ski mask than a ninja mask <laughs> you know no ninjas wear the knit anyway uh, no. uh or a toque or maybe it's a ski toque
3: <laughs> yes there you go man
2: um but uh, yeah, so they, they get this going. You know, he's obviously out to get people who he believes, you know, anybody that gets out. Of, it seems like our character, Miles Long, really believes that anybody that gets out of jail is going to immediately do wrong again.
3: They're going to violate parole. <laughs>
2: he has no hope for society and rehabilitation. No, <laughs> so,
3: but he's almost like Dexter if Dexter was a martial artist who carried a video camera.
2: Yeah, he's like, De- he's like a cross between Dexter and Bruce Wayne with less, yeah. less money. <laughs> so.
3: And a better mullet.
2: Well, yeah, yeah,
3: well, anybody
2: that can fight in a mustard polo shirt and khaki pants is a man after my heart.
3: You stole a note out of my page that's that's his cape and tights.' <laughs> yes. a mustard yellow golf shirt and khakis,
2: yes, so the opening car stunt may be the slowest car hit I have ever seen in a movie. <laughs> you know yeah. the rolling over the car scene, you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah i, I could I think I could do that. <laughs> yeah (laughs) that's how slow it is i mean if you're gonna do that you gotta undercrank just a little bit because it really and it's not so much the initial guy that gets hit i think which is his dad and evidently this is a family full of stuntmen but uh it's when miles gets hit it's almost it's almost comical you know like in jackie chan when he runs over a car moving it's like an amazing stunt when this guy gets hit when sean donahue gets hit by this car (laughs) it's it's literally like uh, it's like my son stopped dropping and rolling you know, it's like when he goes down, he just kind of rolls over and he looks at me like, what does happen?
3: Full credit to him, though, he does get hit by a few cars oh. and the car, the car hits do get more oh, yeah. intense. Oh, I'll talk. The film.
2: Yeah, I'll talk more about the stunts here in a minute, because there's there's a lot of interesting things to talk about here. Uh, so, you know, our character, he does he does some things and, uh, you know, we get we, we, we get to see one of well our heavy in this film, which what was his name? Uh what was that character's name? Do you remember? Was it Twos? No, Twos is the, the henchman. Oh,
3: and, that guy's the worst, and, man. I know.
2: And I've really enjoyed him because for some reason he wears shorts and wrestling boots. <laughs>
3: He wears it. Yeah, wrestling boots or like like 18 hole like Doc Martens or something with spandex. He's just he's an odd-looking individual.
2: Oh, he totally is out of place and he has the worst lines in the movie. He has some just awful lines and he's so bad at delivering them. It it's 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 hilarious, man. I I can't yeah. I didn't even write down some of the stuff he says. I'm trying to look through here and see if I got any quotes because some there's, of
3: them... There's one point where he's shirtless poolside with a fucking back brace on for some reason. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if he fucked himself up doing a stunt, and they're like, "Fuck it, let's just put this in anyway."
2: Yeah, he's really, really rough. But I can't remember. I guess the bad guy's name is Jojo. No, maybe it's not Jojo. That might be Mike Donahue.
3: Is that a brother?
2: I don't think so. But he was.
3: It must be because he was in "They Call Me Macho Woman" and "Kill Squad." It must be.
2: I guess so. But I, I think that's the only other character I can think of that had a name like that,
3: <laughs> unless he wanted to go uncredited because he played uh, a pedophile. Scumbag. Yeah, it's possible. Not Knuckles? No, not Knuckles.
2: No, it wasn't Knuckles. And we know it wasn't
3: uh, Goon. And it wasn't Van Fighter 1 or 2.
2: <laughs> I was just trying to figure out who those two wait, are. Wait,
3: wait. There's a full casting crew thing we can click on. He's going to have a Latino name.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, I went through the full casting crew, and it's just more Kidnap Girl, Nurse, 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 Dancer. Nico? Was it Nico, maybe? Maybe, Nico. Maybe. Okay. Don't on. know. Maybe it was Ray Garcia down at the very bottom, and he didn't want to be... I don't know. Anyway, either way, this is our bad guy, and, uh, you know, he's he's, you know... East L.A., you know, kind of a you know gangster look, bandana, flannel shirt, baggy pants. You know, he gets out of jail. Pretty funny. Uh, two's picked him up and stuff. But uh, you know, bad guys just like heroes in movies. Heroes are only as good as their bad guy is. And this one, he's kind of weak a little bit, although he is a bit of a scumbag. Uh, but bad guys are only as good sometimes, not as the hero, but as their henchman. And in this case, Two's is not really the greatest henchman to oh. to ever be in a film and you know he drives like a i don't know like an 84 impala uh yeah <laughs> that turns into like this car in the movie it turns into like almost like this like like a horror movie car like christine it just keeps popping up <laughs> <laughs> everywhere sean donahue's yeah. at miles is that he like looks over his shoulder and here's the car
3: yeah revving
2: <laughs> yeah so yeah. i'm gonna try to what i'm gonna try to do is i want to pull up a couple scenes while we do our review here and the first one I want to pull up, I got to pause it because I don't want it. Okay, the first one I want to well, pull seagulls. up, yeah. <laughs> well, we're in the Bay Area, and yes. uh, <laughs> the first one I want to pull up here is um, one from. Uh, hang on, let me let me get the time right. the The scene where we find out that the bad guy is out of jail, and uh, he decides to go talk to his cop girlfriend about this situation. So, and this is a great scene. This is quintessential of why people should check this out. So, let's hope that I got this right, this time right. Let me see. Six years. Well, prob- I'm, I'm close to it. Hang on. Let me go back just a little bit.
3: And it should be said, I don't think Miles is speaking to his police officer girlfriend, not the criminal who has a police officer girlfriend.
2: Yes. Here we go. Let me play this one. And they're in a garage working on po- for people working on police cars. So, I guess that explains why this dialogue is going to be like this.
6: How did Chino get out of prison? What? How did Chino get out of prison? Out the front door like everybody else. What's your point, Miles? (laughs) He only served six years. The parole
1: board said he's been rehabilitated. End of story.
6: I'm the one that put that piece of crap behind bars. (laughs) And I'm the one that found that little girl laying in a pool of blood. Her clothes ripped off like some animal attacked her. We didn't protect her. We didn't do our job.
1: Our hands are tied, Miles. There's nothing we can do. You know that.
6: Just once, can't you bend the law? What? What?
1: (laughs) Hey, don't you have something better you could do? So every guy that's out there on parole is an automatic repeater. Is that what
6: you're saying? Not all of them. This one I know. I'll put my life on
3: it.
1: That's fool's talk.
6: I know this guy better than anybody.
1: Miles, you're scary.
6: He's scared for the children. (laughs) There's a rumor
1: going around that you're the so-called video cop. I hope that isn't true.
6: We're all potential video cops.
1: I hope you're not in over your head.
6: No, I'm not.
1: Take a vacation. Job. Clear your mind. You need to have some fun.
6: Okay. How about dinner tonight?
1: It has been a while.
6: I've been working hard trying to keep the show on the air. It's been off for 16 weeks.
1: Yeah, I bet you've been busy.
6: So what do you say?
1: I'll get a dinner for Susan. You can cook dinner tonight.
6: You want me to cook you dinner? You know what happened last time I cooked.
1: Yeah. The food was, the food cold, was but cold, everything else was
6: hot. Everything else
2: was hot. 6.30. Now, the most amazing thing about that scene was she says there's a rumor that you're the video cop. And then yes. he flat out admits that he's been spending the last 16 weeks working on the show. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, what, what, what universe do we live in here?
3: <laughs> I don't know if he did some sort of Jedi mind trick where it's opposite day in San Francisco. <laughs> he says that. I'm not sure. Unless he, he says he's been doing like a Wayne's World type show and it's never mentioned outly or overtly. I don't, uh,
2: I don't know. It's one of those weird moments where I think if I was a screenwriter or a director, I'd be like, oh, we probably should have cut that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, the, there's a few things that should be said before we forget. There's a moment of about 15 minutes in the film that repeats itself.
2: Yes, which is really, really,
3: which is really odd. It's really odd. And
2: it really messes with your brain because yeah, when it happens, you know, if you turn away for a minute, you're like, wait a minute, what happened? Why am I watching yeah. this again? Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, really strange. But, yeah, that scene pretty much sums up, you know, the acting in the film. Uh, it's pretty great, you know, and that's, that's his uh, female. That's Tracy. Tracy Dodd and Pamela Bosley and unfortunately this is her only credit which we'll talk more about her in a little while but
3: uh because she would have been the gift that kept on giving in these kind of films <laughs> yes. if she had made more
2: yes uh so Miles goes back to the house now and he's going to make dinner so Miles is is incompetent as a cook uh, I and that's putting it lightly. I mean I've seen some bad cooks and you know women all like a man and cook and cook. There's you know, the thing among guys is, hey, you know, you really want to entice a woman, man, to cook for her, you know, and blah blah blah. Well Miles, he's not really very <laughs> impressive with this. He's strange his spaghetti in a strainer, but I'm gonna give you a piece of advice. First of all, you shouldn't do it on the counter <laughs> Second of all, you shouldn't put the sauce in the strainer with the pasta.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know.
2: I don't know what Miles' logic is. It's like you know.
3: Well, well, hey, come on. Even he says, "I don't know what I'm doing," but stuff is cooking. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> he's warming, he's cooking sauce in a pan, but he's also warming sauce in a microwave at the same time.
3: <laughs> so it's like, what are you doing, Miles? Well, he's got probably the ragu in the microwave and his own home blend on the stove, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: At one point, he pulls, he pulls pasta out of the pasta bowl, the boiling pasta, and smells it. I'm going to give Miles another hint. Pasta doesn't really have a smell when you cook it. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but stuff is cooking.
3: Apparently, he never heard the term al dente, to fucking try your pasta. Like you said, smelling, it's not going to indicate much, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to pasta, the trick is the consistency of the pasta. I'm not a master chef, but I know that when it comes to pasta, when you want to check it, you just want to make sure it's not too rubbery, not too stiff still. Smelling, it's not going to do you any good so whatever i don't know (laughs) me but it's a pretty classic scene i mean it's really really bad and (laughs) it's funny as hell uh he's
3: he's walking himself through the whole scene like pep talking himself the whole time (laughs) well
2: he lights candles in the beginning which i thought was pretty funny you know (laughs) nothing says romance like pasta and garlic you know yeah yeah (laughs) but they never even get to the food they just get right to the nasty business so it's pretty funny um Now, we go back to the stunts. Now, earlier I said that one stunt was really kind of wacky. And I I do think it is. But that's not to say that I didn't think at any given time in this movie, like The Stabilizer, that somebody was going to die. Because the stunts in this film are done by people who obviously don't have, some of these people don't have a lot of experience doing stunts. And they look dangerous.
3: Yeah, they do, man. (laughs) They really do.
2: And that is up to and including Sean Donahue, who does a little Jackie Chan action here. He's doing his own stunts. There's a scene later on in the movie where he falls out of something onto a car. I I, I don't know how he didn't cripple himself. And there's another character in the film, it's this guy in a bar with a really bad coat. <laughs> I think he was wearing like one of those African coats or something, yeah, you know? Yeah,
3: like a, like a, what's it called? I'm fucking losing my mind, uh, like a dashiki or something. Yeah, it
2: man. looks like he was in fucking do the right thing or something. Oh, I he's mean, the wrong movie. <laughs> He did the
3: wrong thing by fucking with Miles,
2: man. Yeah, and and, and he falls out and hits a car, and you can just tell it it was painful for the stuntman. And obviously, in this case, it wasn't the actor because they put a hood on him when he came out. He didn't have a hood on when he was getting his ass kicked, but when he fell out of the door, he had a hood on. And uh, he hits the car hard, man. I'm like, ooh, man, that had to hurt. That's going to leave
3: a fucking dent for sure, man.
2: And there's a lot of contact in the film. I think both of our films, you see a lot of contact in these so uh, the fighting is not as good as it is in super fights, but the ludicrous nature of the fighting is better in parole violators.
3: And the stunt and the stunts, yeah, the yeah, stunts. They, because they
2: the stunts. in super fights, it's more the standard martial arts choreography. <laughs> Uh, was a lot of practice and things like that. This, it's like we showed up. We're like, you know, we need three guys to go down. You three, you're going to fight Miles. Uh, Miles, I need you to put your khakis and your mustard shirt on. Yeah. This is going to happen. You're going to fall out on this car. Uh, we didn't make this car safe for stunts, so you're going to hit a real windshield.
3: Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, and this guy, you're going to get your head squeezed through a real wrought iron fence. And
2: <laughs> So, you know, let's we'll just see what happens. Um, so I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm working on this movie, I'm like, fuck, man, this might be the last thing I ever do. <laughs> yeah.
3: What did I sign up for, man? <laughs> yeah.
2: So. Uh, you know that's the kind of nature of this film and the kind of craziness but the stunts are all crazy the motorcycle stuff's nuts oh yeah Uh, there's a lot of car a lot more car stuff that's nuts there's some insane there's an insane car jump in this movie oh yeah that uh, I have to believe nobody was in that car obviously I believe that's one of those self accelerated things where it just hits a ramp and blows up uh but then there's uh, the other stunt with the van. I have to believe maybe somebody was in that, but that van hits a tree. And that looks like a really bad wreck. I mean, it looks like somebody could have gotten killed. And of course, during that moment, Miles is either faking dead or he's unconscious with his eyes open. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, yeah. Really, though. But the stunts are competent. They're very competent. But they just they, they had that nature of you. It, it almost felt like watching like Jackass or something. It's almost like, you yeah. know, something bad could happen here. But you're yeah. curious as to what's going to happen. So it's almost like you almost cringe sometimes at the stunt work.
3: And I do want to say, I think, full disclosure, because I don't, I don't want <clears throat> to clarify, just in case we ever get Mr. Donahue on the show. The stunts, I think it's a testament to the stunts that they look dangerous. And maybe they run a risk, but they were done by professionals. Like, all these guys have stunt experience, at yeah, least yeah. the lead. So at least they could manage the people well enough to say... Mm-hmm this is how you do it. Not to say no one got hurt. People got hurt. I don't I don't think, but I don't think they were reckless about it.
2: Right, right. It just, it has that, it just has that kind of visceral Police feel.
3: story kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost
2: like a Hong Kong stunt. I mean, it, you just, totally. you just wonder what's going to happen next. You know, it's like, what, what could, what could, what they could possibly do next because that dude almost died just now. Yeah. What, what, what can happen next, you know? <laughs> so, pretty crazy stuff. No, but I, in saying that, as much as it sounds like I'm kind of poking at it, which I am, it is very impressive because, you know, it's a miracle somebody didn't get hurt, and there's some brave stuff in here. Ridiculous stuff, but it's pretty brave either way.
3: And pretty entertaining, which is the name of the game.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, uh, the guy tossed out of a van, that that's the worst stunt in the movie.
3: Yeah. The worst stunt <laughs> the, in the movie. When, the, when uh, Bosley, Pamela there, uh, kicks the door open on him.
2: Well, not, that, not the one that goes out the back. I'm talking about the one that Miles knocks out first with oh, a the gun. The he
3: jam- jams up through the little moonroof. <laughs>
2: And then he kicks him out, and the guy the guy's unconscious. But when he hits the ground, he hits the ground running, and he yeah, run, yeah. And he runs into a road sign.
3: Oh, that that was the worst. When the guy gets clotheslined by a road sign,
2: <laughs> but he was unconscious not two seconds before that. Yeah, it's like yeah. wow, he regained his consciousness and jumped out of a van again. A van going about ten miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, also, this miles might be the number one. Bad guy, action hero, we've ever, or not not bad guys and bad guy villain, but bad guys and tough guy, I should say. But he is the first, I think, of our many superheroes we've had on the show, our many action heroes who does the master eye poke, who does a wrestling move where, you know, you just take the two fingers and dwink, you know, get them yep. right in the eyes, man. <laughs> Uh, great moment he also does that to the the black actor who is sitting at the bar door when they come in and they hit him with a gun and he does the worst passing out scene i've ever fucking seen man i have ever fucking seen i'm like dude don't ever don't do this guy and then they use him again later and he gets his eyes poked so it was pretty funny uh but it's pretty great you know it's like almost like a three stooges type thing oh yeah now yeah. i've I've seen some makeshift bad guy setups you know I've seen you know the whole joke is sharks with lasers, you know yeah. all this crazy stuff, but I've never seen anybody use a raft, a milk crate, and a swimming pool for you know no. first for enticing uh, you know stuff out of people for intimidation
3: well this yeah this is supposed to be like like the big kind of um mouse trap <laughs> yeah. you know daughter in peril thing, and it's yeah it's a raft, and they got like a, a pool, like a net with a, a makeshift kind of the net taken off and like a, a fucking exact, a box cutter blade taped on it. And and what is the threat that for every 30 seconds, Miles fights, I'm poking a hole in the boat.
2: Yeah, it's like, and it's one of those bad guy things where it's like, dude, just push the girl into the water.
3: Yeah, yeah, just tie her up and push her in the water. It's just it's, it's so much more of an elaborate, inept ruse or or setup than it needs to be. And the thing that's great about that is Miles goes, you know if you do that a little girl's going to drown. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the point, Miles. It's you like can get the uh, bad guy memo. Yeah, it's
2: like, "Uh, Miles, uh yeah, we kind of know that, brother.
3: That's his MO, Miles."
2: <laughs> it's very very hilarious. Um the the internal affairs angle or kind of the investigative work of that character is a little shoehorned for I think comedic reasons. Yeah. Totally. Uh which you know, we'll talk about it toward the back end of my review. There's a really, really grown-inducing grown scene involving that yeah. character, but some also really good ones. like I, uh, I'll get back to that in a minute. but so you know, now we're, now we're in motivation, you know, the young girl almost drowns. This is the daughter of our Pam Bosley character. Uh, Tracy Dodd, And uh, you know, some stuff goes down, things go down. But we end up in the scene where Miles and, and Tracy are, you know, kind of it's, it's in the woods, so to speak, and stuff's going down and we end up with a scene um, that you know has to be seen to, or has to be heard at least to be believed but has to be seen actually really to be believed uh, this is the infamous scene this is the, the this is, I can already tell you this is the make or break for me because I just never thought oh. I'd ever see anything like this in a movie ever
3: <laughs> does it in two words <laughs> goonie bird
2: <laughs> goonie bird <laughs> alright now I'm going to play this
3: okay. oh, hang on. I'm going to play this scene I got to get to it first. But, and I when get you get to it, school. it should be said that this features the most um, in-your-face camel-toe shot in an action movie in the history of cinema. Picture a McDonald's hamburger turned sideways and jammed into blue lycra.
2: Yes. Picture it.
3: <laughs> it is. You really got to see it to believe it.
2: And I got to find it, so I'm looking for it right now, but I, I should find it here in a second. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We're near. We're near. All right, I'm gonna turn it up when it gets there. But this scene has to be seen to be believed. Here we go. I'm gonna play a little bit of it. Now, this music's supposed to be seductive, so to listen to this first.
3: <laughs> now. Do you want to set it up, Hang on, Pause it for one second. All right, we're gonna yeah, s- go ahead and set it up a little bit. Yeah, let's let's set up this clip. So what happens is Pam's been kidnapped. She's in the back of the pickup truck with some of the low rent AC turnbulls. <laughs> including one named Goon. So she's tied up with the IA cop in the back of the truck, Mm -hmm. and she's trying to make a play to get out of the back of the truck. So there's the setup.
2: (laughs) This is her move. Here we go. Well, and and part of it's visually, the part that uh, Will was talking about, the visual part is the the shaking of the moneymaker, which in this case is not the ass, but the the camel toe. And it has to be seen to be believed. It, It may be the most gratuitous vagina shot I've ever seen with clothing on. I've never seen anything quite like this. So, a little bit in the beginning here is not really going to pay off audible, you know, in in a well audible way. So, you kind of got to imagine it a little bit.
3: And sadly, and I think Carl Bresden said it best when he said, somehow you can see labia, menorah, and majora through the lycra.
2: Yes. So, here we go. I'm playing it here. Here we (laughs) go. I'm getting the visual representation so that's Tracy what, like.
5: what do you think you're doing
1: <laughs> Chill out bud
5: yeah,
2: Chill or die Alright okay. <laughs> Chill or die right. Now here comes my favorite part of this scene
1: What's your name Goon Goon That's nice <laughs> Like the Goonie bird
5: you Never associate me with a bird
1: Birds are weak I don't like birds chase Goon, I'm sorry <laughs> There are some strong birds Take the crow for <laughs> example Shut up, damn you, shut up Don't you ever associate me with a bird Can't you understand that? Okay, okay, chill out Don't tell me to chill, just keep your mouth shut I have to go to the bathroom <laughs>
3: Look, <what>? Jeez
1: <laughs> You shut
3: up too okay.
1: <laughs> Please, Goon, I really have to go I can just step behind the bush Shake
5: the bush. When the bush stops shaking, I'm going to spray the area of buckshot. You got that?
1: (laughs) I got it. Thanks. Got it. Thanks, Goon. (laughs) I really had to go.
2: All right. That's enough. But what I love about it is there's almost like a Freudian thing there with the shake the bush. Shake the bush. I'm shaking the bush, uh, Goon. Yeah, I'm shaking the bush, Goon. You know, and it's it's pretty funny, man. But it... it (laughs) I've never seen a henchman lose his mind more being called a bird's
3: weak. I've never associated That's me with a bird. That's fantastic. Not
2: all birds are weak. A crow, for example.
3: And how is it, though, to even get there that, that she decides that calling him Goonie Bird is seductive?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, man. The uh, we we move along in the story now, and and things move along, and and you know she takes her pants off. And there's one great quote I did write down, which is, at some point, the internal affairs cop he ends up in a pretty he ends up a little roughed up, and his only question he can come up with is, "You're not going to take my pants, are you?" Yeah. And uh, it wouldn't look good in your report, <laughs> you know. But well, she's like, "No, no, no, no," you know. But it this movie, this movie is special. It, it, uh, Super fights is great. But parole violators is special. And I, there's a difference because this film it, it it borders on that that line of super entertaining and, and yet some things are inept and some things are not inept. It's really that fine line of that GGTMC material we always talk about of you know, just the ridiculous and craziness of these kind of action movies. And this one really, really kind of just sets right in there comfortably, uh, like a Goonie bird egg. And uh, it, it's it's really it's really exceptional and stuff. And I really don't have any more notes other than that. I'd like to hear what you get.
3: Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think it 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 walks that tightrope between inept with the right things, meaning some of the acting, the line delivery, and spot on with like insane stunts and pace and and energy. So <clears throat> yeah, no, that's really what yeah pushes it over the top. Um, so we talked about this. I think you and I talked about this on the phone. Um, the store the film opens with a convenience store robbery and they like, cobra wanted dead or alive a lot of the the, the ggtMC sh- uh, staples and I think it was you that had said this um that you know they had to downgrade from supermarket to convenience store <laughs>
2: yeah their- the difference in budget evidently yeah. took effect when you know the lower rent the movie the lower rent the store you know <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And exactly. it's easy to
2: say this, you know, that in the 80s and 90s, man, you de- you didn't want to work in a convenience store or a liquor store. I mean, everybody was robbing these fucking things. So.
3: Bad news bears. <laughs> if a man came in with a trench coat and a squirrely look in his eyes, you might be in trouble. <laughs> um, to to kind of meld this with Stabilizer, Miles Long hates shotgun toting store robbers <laughs> that are parole violators. <laughs> uh, it really does. And... I love that whenever he busts one of his, uh, I like guess victims isn't right, when he busts one of these criminals, he says, hey, blank name, smile, you're the star of your own show, Parole Violators. That, that's another thing about the Pro Violators show that's so crazy.
2: He actually bookends his shows in a, in a suit talking to the camera. So how can anybody not know he's the video cop?
3: He, it must be the Clark Kent thing where he wears glasses.
2: <laughs> it has to be. <laughs>
3: I don't understand it because, yeah, he does the thing in his, his sweatsuit ninja outfit. <laughs> and I have to say, he he has to have utter confidence in his abilities because all the while that he's getting shot at with a shotgun, he's holding the camera up and taping.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. You would think he'd get like an assistant or something because that is not the best way to, you know, foil a bad guy. You know?
3: Yeah, it, it's really not. <laughs> um, but he's got to have uh, faith in what he does. Um I gotta say, man. To me, uh, Donahue looks like a, a sensitive, feathered, mulleted, more lean, rugged version of Patton Oswald. Yeah, well, yeah, I Look guess. At his face, dude.
2: <laughs> I guess you got a point. I mean, I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah,
3: it's almost <laughs> like twins. Like he's the Arn- uh, Sean Donahue's the the Arnold, and Patton Oswald's the Danny DeVito. Oh, nice. Um, I'd, I'd pay. I'd pay five bucks to see that. <laughs> that'd be great. Um I like how they they kind of reveal that our main bad guy what's was named Chico or uh, I don't know what his name is but when he, his buddy <laughs> what's what's back brace his name again in the twos twos yeah t o o s so yeah. when twos picks him up from prison they 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 shoehorn what our bad guy's uh, MO is and he says oh let's go have a beer or let's do this and he goes oh, I'm a changed man now and he says what you like guys now he goes no girls you know real little girls. And I'm thinking, how does that indicate any change? You you were in here for the same thing. Yeah. It's like they had to kind of shoehorn his nefarious ways in. They didn't know how to just have him come out and say, I'm a pedophile.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know. just, there's, there's so many scenes in this movie where they start the scene one way and it ends the totally wrong way. So, so many scenes are written wrong. I mean, the, that, that, uh, that, that, Talking scene between him and Pam Bosley, and or well Tracy whatever her name is in the movie, but that scene it starts out one way, and then you know he basically admits to being that. He you now everybody keeps saying he could be the video cop, and then of course he shoots a scene where it's obvious he's the video cop. <laughs> you know it, it's like there's so many scenes that start out one way, and then they go the the total obvious way. It's like I don't I don't I don't know what they were trying to pull there, but really and ultimately it's not important. It's it's kind of like that's the part of the fun of the movie.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. So I had to stretch there. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this was just my eyes or what was, but it looked like in Miles' drawer in his office that he had one of those like Crown Royal blue felt inlaid cases for his parole violator camera. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty amazing.
2: His camera's more important than his gun in the movie. It should be said that uh, he treats it's. It's like his camera is his gun. Yeah, you know? and because uh, he does eventually end up with a gun, but it's like it's not like it's big a deal. The camera seems to be more important. The only real violation of the whole movie is he doesn't shoot any of this stuff that's the main story of the film. Yeah. Uh, so that's a violation on Miles' part because he set up this thing where he's, you know, this guy that shoots these movies, of, and he's got, he's got the ultimate parole violator. Like, he's got, like, an action movie, and he doesn't even know it, and he doesn't shoot any of this. He just kind of goes at it.
3: Yeah, it's the irony,
2: and I but. should say that I didn't say in my notes, but I should say I forgot to write it down. The whole back end of this film feels like a video game, totally like it's a video game. So
3: <laughs> insane. Um, there's a point I think he's taught. Oh, when he's first taught, when he's in the con- the, I think he's in the convenience store stilleries, or, or maybe it's the second guy he's doing the pro violator thing with. It, it's funny sometimes, like the boyish naivety that. Um, that Miles displays and it should be said he, he has an aversion to swearing but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a moment when I think he's got the camera and, and someone pushes the camera and he goes hey you could have poked my eye out and he's genuinely like hurt that guy, it's like dude you're trying to get this guy put back in prison I don't think you understand he's going to be a little annoyed but um, yeah I just I love how I always said I'm going to make you a TV star whenever he's, he's got these guys uh, rolling um, I don't know if it's been it should have been indicated by now But I'm just going to say it. Uh, Bosley, that's Tracy, delivers what can only be described as the best and worst, and by worst we mean best, (laughs) performance by a female lead in the history of our show.
2: Yes, not in the history of cinema, because I'm sure there's more. But uh, yeah, this might be one of the worst and best I've ever seen from a female actress on this show. I mean, it's... The scene with her and Miles on the phone and the and the scene where the, the bad guy, which we still can't figure out his name, we neither one of us can remember his name, uh, you know, calls her, do you know where your little
5: girl is at?
2: Yeah. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Talk about some acting that really goes all over the place. I mean it's just it's 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 seriously comical, but at the same time incredibly entertaining.
3: Oh man. It's yeah, it's very good. Um to get back to the the Peter Goldson voice for a moment, um, <laughs> Miles Long may hate scum to violate parole, but he loves horseshoeing it up in a windbreaker. Yeah. He's, have- he's,
2: <laughs> he's just at some random park where kids are playing. He's throwing horseshoes. There's there's no subtext to that. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't know why he would be playing horseshoes. We
3: got a you got a ringer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> true, man. And again, another hero that wears windbreakers. That's yeah. that's another through line this week.
2: It might be a nineties thing there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's it's awesome that they make the villain a pedophile. Like it's like you want to instantly make your guy like the biggest scumbag, make him a pedophile. It's like the um you know, Uncool Cat will will appreciate this. It's like the William Smith character in Get Even. Um that's <laughs> a Rudger Hauer William Smith John DeHart film where William Smith is a bad guy and he plays a corrupt judge slash drug dealer slash leader of a satanic cult who kills babies. Yes. So it's, it's like they throw everything in there.
2: It's similar to, but obviously less serious than, or less ridiculous, I should say, to like, you know, the bad guy in 13 Assassins, the Mickey film. It's like they mm-hmm. make him so bad that, yep. you know, you've, you've, you've. Literally, emotionally, get behind the destruction of this person. But oh yeah! In these films, sometimes it's not that they really do that because I don't think I felt emotionally invested in the the twos and uh, the the jo- I don't know what the fuck. This- we still don't know what the name of this character is, but they do throw like everything at you to hate this guy. And it's like you know, if if they could find some way to throw another crime in there, they'll just you know they'll just keep throwing them in there as much as they can.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, a couple of things we didn't mention in terms of the Donahue stunts. You know, there's that scene, that insane scene in They Live when Piper falls down that cliff. Oh, yeah. And Donahue does that twice in this film. (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) And once his fall is only broken by tree branches, it's like a fucking, like an old Looney Tunes cartoon. Like, Mm -hmm. he hits every branch on the way down.
2: Again, I have to say that it looks like, you know, somebody got seriously hurt. There's a lot of moments in this film where it felt
3: that way. Oh, definitely. Um... Oh, him and, it's great, the scene where the daughter gets kidnapped. Um, <clears throat> I think we mentioned a little bit of it. Uh, he, Tracy and Miles are playing this phone tag thing where they hang up, yell, damn you, punch filing cabinets, and call each other back. Like, it just goes around and around until finally you know, Tracy has to get Miles. My- My- Miles shows up. No, Tracy shows up where Miles is, and, and she that's a great scene, too, when she's she's dead, like she's just terrified that her daughter's been kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, it's really great, um, and uh, it's the thing that's amazing. You know, that's I think what we love the most is when you get essentially non actors or people that acting is not their first strength, uh, having to really emote, really emotional stuff like a daughter has been kidnapped, she's hurt, etc.
2: Yeah, I mean that that's the that's where some of these movies. That that is where I would say some of these movies kinda fall off and they ha they, they linger on the, see the the thing that parole violators does that a lot of these movies doesn't do right is they they don't linger on that. Like that's the, right. A lot of films, you know, they wanna they wanna say, Oh, you know, it's all about the performance and I think any director who thinks they're making movies, I think they wanna get good performances out of their actors because ultimately that's still the greatest special effect you can have is your actor. And a lot of these films will sometimes linger on scenes way too long. What I think Pro does right is it it's so, well, I don't know if it's badly edited, but it's so choppy that it doesn't give you time to really look at the bad acting. You just kind of go along with it, and that's what a lot of these films have to do right. They have to kind of keep, that pace is so important to keep it going. You don't have time to sit around and criticize the acting. We know the acting's not good, but if you keep it moving, you never really pay attention to that.
3: That's right. It's not the point that the energy is sustained throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Pam is the worst, uh, or no, Tracy is the worst off-duty police officer in the history of cinema. <laughs> like, she gets her gun taken from her so fast when they go to shake down that bar.
2: <laughs> she does.
3: Like, oh. <laughs> I think you or I, could someone could have blindfolded on us and give us a water gun and say, you know, <laughs> walk into a room and we would have it on us longer than she has her gun on her. <laughs> yeah. It's uh and she's not above being punched or people aren't above punching her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> she gets punched out a few times. Um She makes a beating in the movie, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, she really does. There's some arterial spray in this film. Like there's a couple times when Miles is getting punched and like he, we see the arterial spray from him. Yeah. Especially in the van fight. Like there's like this double dragon techno music. <laughs> and uh <laughs> that's when the guy gets closed line by the yellow sign, but it's yeah, there's this arterial spray in the van, which is pretty good. Um and there's a scene where Miles shoots a guy's dick off with the guy's gun in his own holster. <laughs> yeah. just awesome.
2: I was trying to see um, if this movie was rated anywhere, but I don't see it anywhere. I wonder if this was rated R because
3: It's rated A for
2: awesome. <laughs> the uh the violence is a little extreme in spots, but there's no nudity or anything. Uh, but of course, I think that you know the Camel Toe shot is so gratuitous, I think they'd have to give it an R.
3: Yeah, that's that is a gratuitous Camel Toe shot. Um I love when the daughter <clears throat> this is great. This is this is great. When the daughter she flatlines.
4: <coughs>
3: or no, before she flatlines, um she the pool thing happens with the, the fucking pool net and the, the box cutter blade and and all that. Um and they're doing CPR and she's like, Damn you, breathe. And uh and she gets so Tracy gets so broken up because she's like, I'm so sorry, I cussed you. I didn't mean to say damn you <laughs> And then, then, but Miles, being the inspirational lad that he is, says, Yeah, but it got her fired up and breathing again. You saying, Damn, you got her to breathe again. It's uh, It's
2: pretty insane. I I love also that, you know, she's basically her daughter is in critical. And unstable condition, but as soon as they get her heartbeat, and it's like, let's go get these motherfuckers.
3: Well, exactly, because there's a moment when they're about to go on the thing in the room, and the, the, she's freaking out. The mother's freaking out because the daughter flatlines, and Miles is holding her. He's like, no, you'll just be in the way. <laughs> and then the second her heart starts beating again, they say, she goes, <clears throat> let's go for that drive now. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't go give her daughter a kiss, nothing. Breezes and just. <laughs> It's way to get these motherfuckers.
2: I don't know about you, but if it's me, you know, and if my kids lay in there and just came off just, just flat I, I think I'd stick around for a little while. Okay. You know, there might be time to go get the bad guy.
3: <laughs> there will be time to get the bad guy. And it's obvious huh. there
2: will be because this bad guy can't. He thinks he's being hassled by miles. It's actually the other way around. Yeah, The bad guys hassled Miles because everywhere Miles goes, this fucking Impala shows up.
3: <laughs> it does, man. It's just stalking him. It's like uh, Stuntman Mike or something. Yeah, you're like Christine or any of these.
2: Yeah, a guy can't um, even play horseshoes, man.
3: No, a guy can't play horseshoes in peace. And I love that um, when our bad guy says to the, the low rent AC Turnbulls, he says, meet me at the old factory. <laughs> we know what that means. Oh, yeah, we do. It's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> um I demand a magnificent seven movie with Donahue, <laughs> Peter O'Brien, Chris Mitchum, Buccaneer Miller, Don Neam, was also an undefeatable. Nice. Pryor and Darren McBee. Wow. I demand it.
2: That'd be a dream cast. I don't that that it, it's amazing. You know, I never thought the expendables would happen, but I would definitely hope that would happen. But
3: if Asylum or someone could put out like a an, an expendables type film with those seven in it.
2: There needs to be a filmmaker or a studio who understands what they're going for with that kind of cast, you know? Yeah. And it has to be somebody that's a fan of this material. And there, there, certainly there's people out here that people out there making movies who are fans of this type of stuff and would love to use these B movie action stars. Uh, you know, Stallone got a couple when he got Gary Daniels and people like that. So he has some respect for some of these people, but, you know, I don't think he'd go this route. I don't think he'd go that far. As far as who he would cast and stuff, but somebody out there certainly would. You know, you'd think anyway.
3: Oh, yeah, you would hope. One can dream. A boy can dream. Yeah. Um, i got to get through these most quickly here. So then we get the shooter at the Bakersfield Corral, and there's oil drums, there's a catfight with this chick who's doing, who's almost like an, a coked out Daphne Zaniga as Terminator. Yeah, with what? red lipstick that ends with her head on a meat hook and Tracy saying, hope you had your tetanus shot, bitch.
2: Yeah. It's like, where did, where did, where did that character come from?
3: <clears throat> and why wasn't she in the film more? It would have been great.
2: <laughs> it's like, you know, all of a sudden we get this, you know, half-naked Terminatrix type character and it's like, yeah.
3: where the fuck was this? Where'd she come from? Yeah, and she's even credited as Terminator Woman, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, and at this point, I, I, I say to myself, how is this film ramped up? How is it more insane than the previous hour and it gets turned up like significantly beyond a pace that already was impossible to maintain Uh, i mean there's car explosion there's electrocution by high voltage fences there's (laughs) uh there's red shirts everywhere i mean it's like you know what dude when they're in this warehouse it's like that scene in the happening when men are just falling from the heavens like (laughs) guys are falling from everywhere just getting shot to shit it's uh you know, it's just fantastic. And then we get Bosley again. She's holding a gun. You know how she holds a gun? man? She holds a gun like she's found a homeless man's shoe in her bathroom. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how she holds a gun. <laughs> that's <And yet> she's
2: <laughs> a good point. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and she's still able somehow to, to shoot the guys down from the rafters. It's amazing.
2: It's always amazing uh, to me too how you know a, a gang starts out as a you know a four man group, a five man group, and then eventually becomes a fucking army. And yeah. in this case, it's one of those situations where it reminded me of Cobra. You know, Cobra was... but yes, in, yes, yes. in Cobra, at least, they established that it's a pretty big gang in certain scenes yeah. early. Yeah. Whereas in this film, they never established that. And then all of a sudden, it's just fucking, you know, this gigantic amount of people in this warehouse. And, you know, like I say, it turns into a video game. It's literally like that.
3: Yeah, it was just twos and, and the unnamed Hispanic uh, diddler yeah. initially. And then it turns into yeah. this... And it's like the crazy 88s. Yes. They're, they're streaming in. It's It's amazing. And, uh, I love how Pam or Tracy gets the last laugh by saying bird neck, (laughs) which we won't say any more than that.
2: Yes, exactly.
3: Um, (laughs) Sean Donahue does a fireman toss as a man out of a window. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty incredible. I mean, the finale is amazing. And I mean, he falls out of this window. I don't want to say too much. It's in the trailer, but I don't want to say too much, but just this amazing fall. And and he's, he's in rough shape. It should be said. I mean, he's been through the ring or through the meat grinder and he still has him to say, drop your weapon. You're under arrest. For parole violation. <laughs> and uh, it's great 'cause him and him and Pam love each other or Tracy, I can't remember now. Tracy love each other so much that they're 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 both in rough shape and she goes, You're so beautiful and she goes, You're so handsome <laughs> And uh, the IA guy's taking notes and and I I like think I said I just I love that men are credited as van fighter in this. There's two men credited as van fighter it's that kind of film. So those are all my notes. And yeah i'll
2: kick it over to you all right uh so make or break on this one i'm gonna have to go with the goonie bird scene i just i never expected anything like this in my life so it's just one of those moments you know it's one of those things i always say on the show you just never know where this show is going to take us and this took me somewhere i didn't expect a scene that you know i've quoted since then and you know, I've never heard anybody say, birds are weak, you know, that kind of stuff. So pretty amazing. I mean, really, just pretty amazing stuff. Whoa, I just found a screenshot of Henry Silva with a bazooka by accident.
3: Uh, maybe that's from uh, Killer versus Killers. Yes,
2: it is Killer versus Killers. Yeah. And it's a great still shot, too, you know. And
3: if you find the right still shot, he should have a pet leopard at his foot <laughs> beside him shooting that bazooka. <laughs> which is the most amazing image in the history
2: of cinema. Oh, it's just such a shame. Silva and DeLeo didn't make more films. Uh, DeLeo, maybe more than anybody else got Silva, you know? Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Goonie Bird scene. It's just insane. You heard it on the show. I don't really have to go into it no more. It's just amazing. Uh, my MVT, I'm going to go with Donahue on this one. You know, his acting is questionable, but it doesn't matter. His energy is impeccable. He, he brings the energy. He brings the insanity. He's gutsy. I can't can't knock the fact that he's, I think he might be a little insane, you know, and uh, I think he really sells what he's doing as as well as he can. Whoa, I didn't know in that movie there's a mannequin that blows up. Nice. Of course, it's a Silva movie. I should have known. You know it. (laughs) Oh, I guess it's, he shoots the bazooka at the guy and the guy blows up. Yeah, of course. Of course, it's a DeLeo film. Silva hates mannequins. But, uh, okay, my score for the films is, again, it's another straight 7 out of 10. I think, actually, you know what, I'm going to go a little higher because this one's just a little bit more entertaining than Super Fights. And it's a little bit more over the top than Super Fights. Super Fights is pretty over the top, but this one goes just just that one step further. So I'm going to give it a 7.25. I'm gonna go where you went with super fights. I really I really enjoyed this thing. I've watched it twice now. I'm gonna watch it again, 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 again. It's one of those movies I'm just gonna watch over and over again. The great thing about these kind of movies and what I always love when we do these things is you know, they're always like a straight ninety minutes. They're, if they're pacey, it's just a lot of fun. And this one's very pacey and ridiculous. And you heard some of the scenes. That's only a taste of some of the ridiculousness in the movie. That's just the two scenes I chose to play.
3: It's just a sample platter, yo.
2: Yeah, that's just a taste. It's a small little taste. There's, there's so many scenes in the movie that are quotable like that. So definitely look for it. Check it out. Try to find it. It's, it's, it's just an amazingly good time. I
3: think you can buy it on VHS from Donahue's uh, website.
2: Nice. Nice. Uh,
3: Sorry, anything else? I no, no, that's, was, it. that's everything. Okay, make or break the last 20 minutes. The first 60 were just beyond insane, and then it gets turned up to 11, as they say. Yes. <laughs> MVT um, is just that that balance of you know, wonky acting with insane stunts and energy and the gusto and enthusiasm that everyone approaches the film with. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what makes, you know, brings this film to me into like stabilizer territory. Uh, it can run with stabilizer, certainly. I don't know if I'd take it over stabilizer because stabilizer really has a special place in my heart, but it's right there, man. It's, you know, it's uh, it's right there. And again, my is going to seem ridiculously high, um, but I'm not saying like this film is like as good as Night of the Hunter or Yojimbo or things like that, but for what it is, Sets out to do it is an absolute home run, and as such, my score is an 8.5 out of 10. <laughs>
2: nice. Wow, it's up there with the Devils,
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, Devils was a 9.25, and again, like I said, I know this isn't you know, um, this isn't Night of the Hunter or fucking the good, the bad, the ugly, or something, but it's strictly for what it is now. If I was obviously if, if it was just you know, filmmaking qualities, this thing gets dropped a lot, but I can't, uh. I can't separate myself from my love of what this film is deli- promises and delivers.
2: Right, right, right. I think anybody that's listened to this show for a good a good amount of time knows what knows what we're talking about. Of course, people, this might be the first episode. Maybe you should go back and listen to more of our episodes for the uh, you know some of the action movie reviews. So
3: there you go. Yeah. Well that's just it.
2: All right. So that is our thoughts on parole violators. Definitely check it out. Check out both films, and uh, you know, get back with us. And uh, we're going to take a short break. Come back and knock out some feedback. We'll be back right after this.
5: Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we have to sacrifice a few hours a week to podcast about whatever you find important, but we think you're crazy asking us to write an essay telling you who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms and the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each of us is a podcast about other podcasts.
6: A podcast about television. A podcast about
5: films. A podcast about music. A podcast
4: about books.
5: Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours. Podcast Podcast. The Podcast Podcast is your one-stop source for all the podcasts on the internet. Each week we have very special guests from some of the best shows on iTunes so that you can decide if you should check them out or keep on moving. Find us at the podcastpodcast.com or search for us in the iTunes Store by looking for me, Fozzie Bear.
6: That's F O Z Z I E B A R E.
2: Right, we're back more music from the roof there don't ask me what it's called don't ask me anything <laughs> it's pretty awesome either way all right uh so we have some uh, feedback I think we got like one email and uh three or four voicemails something like that
3: yes so um so let me just clean this up he's not talking
2: about his inbox folks <laughs>
3: uh, again, I want to say thanks on the air to good friend of the show David, who made an amazing poster. Yes, uh, and very good friend Nick, uh, Young Monster Nick, and I believe maybe Zach was involved of WeAreYoungMonster.com. They if they do a lot of great stuff. They do a lot of stuff for poster uh, for concerts, musical acts. Uh, head over to their website, which is WeAreYoungMonster.com, and take a look at their art. They did us a fantastic poster that looks like a Jali, a Polish Jali, um, and they gave us. They were kind enough to give. Give us a few prints of those that we're going to be giving away in the upcoming months. Um, we just got to work out the details. So we'll be looking for those. They're on a beautiful paper stock. Um, We can't say thanks enough to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is another one. Uh, Very good friend Greg, who sent us some super cool music clips and video and stuff over the, the time we've been doing the show, said this isn't for the air. Uh, but I do want to mention it because I think I want people to check it. I think people on our show would dig it, and hope he doesn't mind. Certainly, because he had said this isn't for the air, but uh, again, it deserves to be seen. And uh, he is at waxmask.blogspot.com, so head over there, check out Greg's blog. There's a lot of great musical stuff going on, uh, and one of the and he made a. Um, a mix that has Pedro our singing, which is super cool because Almodovar is super cool. So, um, yeah, that's it. And I'm actually going to add that to the blog roll because, like I said, Greg's been a good friend and whatnot for a long time. So. Nice, nice. Um, beyond that, uh, Nikki. I'll one with Nikki in email. I just haven't done it yet. Um, this is from... Uh, Justin. And Justin's a new listener and he says, Dear GGTMC, I'm a listener to the show. I discovered the podcast a few months ago thanks to a friend and have been hooked since. They always are a great listen and help burn some hours while at work. I work third shift, a.k.a. the graveyard shift. As a lover of cult cinema and general trash, I've nicknamed myself a cinemasochist as I love bad films. It's great to listen to film buffs who clearly love the world of cinema. No matter what you're calling you to, instill passion and knowledge as well as laughter. I also love the... F- fact that neither of you come across as snobbish and don't bark down at those who have differing opinions than your own. You, uh, allow yourself, that's me of course to get distracted by messages on your phone. Let me (laughs) stop that. Uh, I love the fact that neither of you come across as snobbish and don't bark down. I said that. Instead you embrace opposing views and encourage those who love a film to never feel ashamed of it. Being new, I'm not sure what your stance is on suggestions. I know you do Ladies Appreciation Month, which I can't partake in. Last time I checked, I'm a man. Uh, if you don't then I apologize in advance for wasting your time on the following few sentences if you do I suggest the 1994 film called Surviving the Game it stars Ice-T as Mason a homeless man who's been hired by Rudger Hauer to be his hunting guide as it turns out he's the prey for Burns and his band of buddies Gary Busey Charles S. Dutton John C. McGinley F. Murray Abraham and William McNamara it's a really fun action flick that's on Netflix instance in the States right now being a big Rudger Hauer fan uh, or fans I'm sure you've at least heard of it I looked through the archives and I didn't see it reviewed, though it's possible I may have missed it. Um, in closing, I want to say thank you for putting on tremendous show after tremendous show and giving me new material to sink my teeth into. Keep up the excellent work. Sincerely, Justin Oberholzer.
2: Nice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, we don't really take requests as far as just fly out the bud, but we do. I mean, I'm, I'm well aware of the 94 films surviving the game. Me too. Uh, I, I like it actually. Dangerous, yeah,
3: it, it's like a what is a dangerous game uh, kind of ref. Yeah, yeah,
2: kind of like a most dangerous game type thing. Uh, it's good. It's fun. Uh, but we do at some point in time we're trying to get back to where we uh, do take listener appreciation shows. Uh, we we did that in the beginning a lot. We kind of got away from it, and then we started making promises to do other things, and we just basically, I'll be honest, we just kind of overwhelmed ourselves. Yeah. So you know, and that kind of happens. Our schedule is limited, at least right now, while the children are young and stuff, and so. You know, between the two of us, if you don't know Justin, I'm sure you probably do. Between the two of us we have, you know, three young children, so it's not uh not the you know, there's not a lot of extra time. So we always had all these plans to do all these things, like do bonus shows, do this, do commentaries, uh, well, you know, all that's kinda of taking a back seat for right now. So who knows? We'll get around to it when we get around to it. But uh, you know, we we might actually get around to surviving the game at some point in time. It's not really on the roadmap, but that's not to say that it won't be done, because so. it does have yeah. some good people in it. So
3: yeah and it's never a waste of time because even if we've heard of or seen a film, maybe people out there haven't uh, yeah. seen or heard of it. so I remember it being a fun film so you know you
2: I'd go. say always always send recommendations because you know yeah. at some point in time it gets in our brain and we eventually you know it seems like one of us is like let's just go ahead and do that Yep. so all right, so we got some voicemails here um, we'll go ahead and get into these I think two of them got cut off so if we got two voicemails from two people from two people a piece, but they're really one, so we'll see what happens here.
4: Hey guys, this is Jake McClarchich calling in. Uh, Rick, I'm very glad that you enjoy Dream Home. Uh, I figured it was something that was right up your alley, so I'm, I'm very happy that you're pleased with it. It's pretty amazing uh, that movie, considering that the producer and the star, Jesse Ho, her father is a real estate magnate, and considering the level of vitriol in the movie that's leveled at the monolith known as the uh real estate market uh it's pretty interesting to say the least but anyways uh
2: he got cut off. He called back though
4: son of a bitch Voicemail. <laughs> cut me off <laughs> anyways jake mcguarra huge back uh just wanted to cap the voicemail just by relaying a story about watching i saw the devil uh because i had just seen it a couple weeks back and I distinctly remember a moment listening to last year's Tiff episode, where Lodge William and Uncle Cat proceeded to rip the movie a new one. Well, maybe thats a bit harsh. Not really that bad. But anyways, I remember just—I distinctly remember listening to that episode and thinking, "That motherfucker! Who does he think he is? Doesn't he understand what Kim Ji Won is doing here?" Blah 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 blah. And then after I listened to the episode, I was like what the fuck is my problem? i never seen the movie. <laughs> why, do, why do I hate this man whose opinions that I respect and hold very near and dear to my heart? Well, it's because I was stricken by my weird fanboyism, something that I usually think I'm immune to that doesn't affect me that often, but of course it did during that particular moment. And of course, you know, as I look back on it, I feel like a gigantic jackass. Um, <laughs> nowadays, you know, after having actually seen, it being able to form an educated opinion on it, I find myself being on the flip side of Large William and Uncle Cat's coin. I see all the faults, but they just don't bother me as much as they did with you guys. And I have to ask, um, if you hadn't seen A Bitter Street Life, would your opinion of that been less, uh, disappointed? I guess you could say, because that's really of all the movies that he's done, that's the one that's the most fluid, the most well put together. And if we hadn't seen that he can really put together a movie in such a competently cogent way, would you have held held it against oh, I Saw the Devil for being as, as uh, I don't know, as incoherent tonally as it is? But uh, yeah, just wanted to really that story of weird fanboyism because I don't think I am one, but obviously some, somewhere deep down inside I actually am. But, yeah. Anyways, I'm kind of drunk, so I'll just stop now. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye.
2: All right. That was Jake McLargehuge, host of the podcast Without Honor and Humanity. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called, right? Yes. hope oh, I got that right. Um Yeah, you know what? He brings up an interesting point. Not just the Kim Ji Woon stuff, but he brings up. Sometimes you find yourself being a fanboy, and you don't. You'll you'll think to yourself, "I'm not a fanboy. Fanboys get on my nerves." But then you'll realize every now and then there's these little glimpses of it. It's in all of us, just a little bit.
3: Oh, it certainly is. I get I get my back up when people shit Ken Tarantino. So
2: yeah, I have to wonder. Let's let's ask the question there, Large William. If you hadn't seen A Bittersweet Life, if I saw the Devil, was your first Kim Ji Woon film? Would you have had a different opinion of it?
3: No, and here's why. Um, oh, this is kind of a two-part answer. I would still find the same faults with the film.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I would still grade it the same. My score dropped the second time. I think I gave it like a 7.5 or 7.5 when I first saw it, but that drops to like a 7.25 maybe for me now, which is still a good score, should be said. Yeah. Um, but... The thing with the film that that broke my heart is the disappointment I feel knowing that this is a filmmaker that has all the talent in the world, loves film, everything from French noir right on through, um, and has the ability to make things like Tale of Two Sisters and A Bittersweet Life, and has been consistently turning his... um, his work, what seems like to me, and I'm I only speculating based on what I see, certainly, I could be right way off the mark, turning his films into his portfolio to get into Hollywood because he's making consistently more glossy and emotionally hollow uh, exercises and style to showcase what he can do uh, to get over to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So that's why it breaks my heart because I think he's one of the shining lights of cinema. And to see, you know, and it's okay to do it with good, the bad, and the weird because it's a summer popcorn kind of film an Indiana Jones type film of, you know, but with this you revenge films can, can be really powerful as evidenced by Park Chan-wook who, you know, made the masterful, uh, vengeance trilogy. They, they can be great stuff, but he should have been able to nail this material and it turned into just, you know, Looney Tunes, ridiculousness.
2: <laughs> and yeah, and I, I like it a little bit more than you. I don't like it as much, but I mean, well, I mean, I don't like it, as le- well, what the fuck am I trying to say? I was looking at a poster or something. I don't know. I don't pay attention to me, but anyway, I should say I liked it a little bit more. But I'd probably only go like a half a point higher than you. Like seven and a half or so. Um, do I think I would have liked it more if I hadn't seen Bittersweet Life for? Or not only that, but also Tell Two Sisters and and uh, the Good to Bad the weird. weird, which I loved. Foul uh, King. Yeah, I mean, there's All the. On. I mean. It, it's arguable that I probably would have liked it quite a bit. If, it, like, if this was a first film, I would have said, oh, yeah, this guy's an up-and-comer. But the thing is, it's not. And whether you want to admit it or not, you kind of end up in a situation where you start to judge a director's work by some of the stuff you do hold dear. You know, even I think any director you love, like Sam Peckinpah, for instance, some people, like maybe you, consider the height of his career probably, maybe not the height of his career, but you consider his masterpiece, The Wild Bunch, Whereas, you know, me, I'm kind of where, you know, you move along a little bit further and I kind of think Straw Dogs is the one. Right. But that's just one of those situations where you just kind of get into the thing with the director and stuff. I can see, like, Brian, you heard him last week, uh, Roop. he said he loved I Saw the Devil. So Mm -hmm. that's fun. Uh, You know, I can totally see that. And I can totally see people loving it because uh, it is a pretty movie. And it's, uh, you know, it's grotesque in some ways and insane in other ways. Set pieces, well
3: choreographed.
2: So I can see that. But you know, you do you do have to if you're gonna if you're gonna be an amateur critic, somebody who puts his opinion out there for everybody to listen to or read, uh you gotta be honest with yourself. So and even though like I say I liked it a little bit more than Large William, uh I still thought it was don't know if it rang as hollow to me, but it did ring hollow compared to what I consider G Woman's best stuff, which is sisters uh, life and, and the good, the bad, the weird. But that's just me. So, you know.
3: Well yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just, it made, the ending of, of Bittersweet Life is so bittersweet, <laughs> uh, no pun intended. Yeah,
2: well, I think it's why uh, it's called that. So.
3: Yeah, certainly, but it just, it's a beautifully haunting, a little bit heartbreaking ending, and uh, it just, yeah, that's
2: the way it goes. Oh, nice. Dinner time. Yeah. All right, uh, next voicemail. Here we go.
0: Hey there, gents. It's James from an awesome Criterion cast and all over the fucking place. <laughs> I haven't called in a while, cause mainly because my phone's been broken. Actually, it's still broken right now, but I can barely get calls out of it. It's hard to explain, but if anyone has an AT&T phone, they want to send me, please do. <laughs> but but I digress. But um, I want to thank you guys for all the love, so towards an autumn. awesome. I know Rufus is also very appreciative. Um, we're not attached by the hip, so that's why he's not here talking as well. Um, yeah, we're g- coming up with our fourth episode, which is going to be a lot of fun with street trash and, uh, the stuff, the two films I love to death, spoiler alert. But I just wanted to give you guys a little story. I haven't done a wrestling story in a while, and here's one that I've been sitting on, so to speak. It's a story involving, uh, if you remember the, the diva, but basically to me, the first, besides Miss Elizabeth, but that's a different time, the first diva you know, the WWF, you know, diva of the time, Sonny, who I was, like, absolutely in love with. I'm not even a blonde guy, but I fell in love with her. And, you know, she was married to Chris Candido, sadly, who has passed away away since. And um, during those early 90s, early to mid-90s, WWF was very, very drug-addled. And I'm talking about, you know, there's always drugs in wrestling, but in this case drugs are really bad, they, you know, everyone's more or less a drug addict, and especially Sonny and Chris Candido. So, Chris Candido asks Sonny, can you please get some, get some drugs, you know, get some coke, like, any way you can, you know, and she goes, okay, so, so she goes to, the, one of the guys who always had drugs was Ahmed Johnson, and if you remember, Ahmed Johnson's big you know, burly black guy who did the Pearl River Plunge, and he, you know, said, okay, but you gotta, you gotta fuck me for it. So she had to have, like, like a, more or less, like, almost like a couple hours of just nonstop disgusting sex with this guy to get whatever cocaine she could get from him. And, you know, she took some, you know, of course, you know, he gave her some cocaine while they were doing it and whatever else. So she leaves, she never she never comes home. She never comes back to the hotel room actually. So Chris Candido's kind of worried, but he just falls asleep and the next day he he's like walking walking in, in you know at the arena, whatever arena was at, and he's like freaking out. And Shawn Michaels is walking by and he gives Chris Candido a look and goes, Oh, thanks for the coke and just keeps walking. And, you know, sadly Sonny was very from, you know, promiscuously sex, sexual with a lot of other wrestlers, and she was in love with Shawn Michaels. They actually had an on-again, off-again relationship while she was going out with Chris Candido. So, sadly, Chris Candido never got any cocaine that night, um, but, you know, trying to get a lot of Pope's nose and Ooh. up the nose, too. <laughs> so there's your little sorted, uh story. Um, like I said, give me any names of wrestlers you want to know. I will find a story for the most part. Like I said, some don't, like Rick Martel. Nothing bad, supposedly. Okay, gents.
3: Later.
2: All right. There we go. Wow.
3: (laughs) I'd heard that story, actually. I read it on a great website. I can't remember how I found that website. Probably James or Mikey or or Zom or someone, but that's fucking what a dark fucking depressing. I think we said this before, man. That world is almost more depressing than porn in some ways.
2: They're very similar. You know, because what I mean?
3: of because of the, the sorry, to, to clear, but because the 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 face of it is, you know, heroes of children and everything else, whereas porn is just CD overtly. You know what I mean?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, porn is overtly adult, whereas wrestling is not, and uh, you know, it's actually aimed at adolescents and, and young children. But the world is just as dark behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's a dark world, and and some you know some have come out and said lately that it's not like that anymore. They've really cleaned it up, but I have I have no faith in the fact that they have. No, uh, you know I believe wrestling is it's a tough life. Uh, say what you want to say if you think wrestling silly, stupid, whatever you want to say. You can't argue that if you guys if, if people know what these guys go through, not just the physical stuff, but the the fact that they work from job to job, and very few of them ever make millions of dollars. Very few. Uh, and you know even your like your legends like Terry Funk and people like that. These are people who live well. But, uh, you know, they're not multimillionaires, or else they still wouldn't be jumping off top ropes doing backflips at the age of (laughs) 60-something. You know, so, you know, it is what it is. And supposedly that's why Ric Flair supposedly still wrestles because he's terrible with money. That's what I hear.
3: Yeah, that's what I've heard, too.
2: He's just terrible with it. Maybe from James and everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more voicemails. Here we go.
5: Gentlemen.
2: I think I know this guy.
5: This is Dr. Zom.
2: I definitely know this guy.
5: Gentlemen. I just want you to know that as we're speaking on this voicemail recording, helicopters helicopter is flying high overhead. And it looks to be, I don't know what kind of helicopter, but of course it has to fly overhead as soon as I start making this phone call. And let me tell you something, people. That was one hell of a goddamn big helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of military, uh, I don't know what the hell it was, Black Hawk Down kind of helicopter. If we want to keep it in the vein of the movies.
2: Zom is, uh, if
5: we want to keep it in the vein of the movies.
2: All right, he, he got cut off and he put a couple call back, but it's like he's living out his own end of Goodfellas. So you know <laughs> yeah,
5: twenty seven. Gentlemen, I got cut off as the giant helicopter flew over. Right now it's uh approximately uh nine fifty AM. I'm laying on the beach, beautiful South Carolina. It's already climbing up above uh close to ninety degrees. Oh he's on vacation. Huh? Um, haven't done a, a whole lot of movie watching since I've been on vacation. Nice. But I have managed to catch a few things here and there. Number one, this morning, after I went for a walk on the beach, uh, <laughs> as a piece of sand just flew out my mouth, I watched Mr. Oh, Dean with Adam Sandler. Cinematic masterpiece there, Winona Ryder, big boobs. Uh, John Tatura was pretty good in it, too. Lots of uh, strange faces I've never seen, but... Uh, Strange faces, indeed. Uh, other than that, I watched uh, that uh, heist movie. I can't even remember what the hell it's called. De Niro and Ed Norton caught that about, uh, oh, 1.30 in the morning or something like that. Coming back to the room. Uh, saw some of big fat Martin Brando, Robert De Niro, and Ed Norton uh, going at it. Uh, at one time, they said that this was a... Uh, the three best actors of their generations. You know, I don't know. I like Ed Norton, but I don't know if he's the best actor of that generation. So Uh, anyway, other than that, I went to see an IMAX movie last night with uh, my family, my family, my extended family, Uh, called Born to be Wild. Uh, It's pretty good. Um, Nothing so far has uh, equaled the dinosaur movie we went to see, which was in 3D, but that was because 99% of that was... Uh, CGI. This was really good about uh, P, this woman that uh, uh, lives in the rainforest, uh, protects the orangutans, raises up uh, you know orphaned orangutans, sets them up, uh, loose back in the wild. Pretty cool. Uh, also elephants uh, in Africa that did the same thing with the uh, orphaned elephants. And uh, So that's pretty good, too, but uh, like I said, most of that was real footage, so the uh, 3D was, you know, anytime you have something like that, it's okay, but it's not as good as when they can CGI something and have it turn a certain way or move right towards the screen, but it's still good. Anyway, Beach Patrol's just going by, public safety and all that, so I'm going to get off here and enjoy some of the... uh, Hot babes walking down the beach, and there have been quite a few of them so far. So I just want to check in, let you know that everything's cool. Uh, I will be back at it hard. Hard. (laughs) In about, uh, I don't know, I think i got about five or six more days of uh, laying out in the sun, and if I don't get heat stroke, sun stroke, sun poisoning, food stroke, From eating at the (laughs) giant buffet, which costs thirty-five fucking dollars, Anyway, this (laughs) is Doug Zom calling from uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I just wanted to say uh, to all you people out there, Zom is thinking about you always, always thinking about you.
2: (laughs) In a in a weird twist of irony, my brother was at Myrtle Beach the same time Zom was. Amazing. So Zom might not have known it, but he was really close to Sammy.
3: <laughs> I, the question, the $64,000 question is what color was Zom's banana hammock?
2: Yes. Because there's no doubt he's wearing a Speedo. <laughs> I worry, though, that uh, it's quite a possibility that Sean Penn's hair from Carlito's Way was poking out of the Speedo in spots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> like Whoa, what, what is that? Looks like a, cl- uh, a couple of plums wearing a clown hat yeah <laughs> right. so, nice he's I like how he also says that uh he uh he hasn't been watching that many movies, but you know he manages to get like three or four in
3: <laughs> yeah yeah and i, I should be said totero is fantastic in Mr. Deed's very very sneaky, do not underestimate my sneakiness
2: yes. yes, there we go all right uh uh last voice we go
5: big Willie and the Samurai. this is Leather Jacket Buddha. It's been a hell of a long time. I nice. just wanted to give you guys a call and say hello. Hope you guys are doing well, as uh, as with your families. Been listening uh, all this Dinner time, bound. just been a little bit quiet. But uh, just uh, wanted to break the silence and say you guys are still doing an outstanding job. Your guest hosts did a uh, good job as well. But uh, nothing beats the original lineup. <laughs> and... Uh, just uh, want to say, hope your families are doing well. Uh, I have a new edition coming uh, on November twenty first is the due date for my wife, oh. and uh, you know I'll have a little leather jacket Buddha to uh, <laughs> nice. you know can hear in the background during international movie news at OTC. <laughs> so you guys take it easy and uh, have a good one.
2: Nice congratulations, Don. That's awesome
3: that is amazing news and if that child is born two days early he's going to share a birth with a birthday with large William
2: nice nice one can hope Uh, but that is our uh, we can hear the magnificent sounds of texting on the iPhone you know uh,
3: why my wife said William's awake and wants to come down are you okay with that and I said yeah yeah she goes he's coming now so
2: we're right here he comes he's right
3: on time he's like a little Kramer just swinging in the door Hey, big boy!
2: He nails it right at the end of the show every
3: time. <laughs> what?
0: the
3: black from Oh, on the train? Here, come here, come here, we're gonna say adios in a minute. What that? What that? That's well, your Who else were you supposed <laughs> to say hi to? Daddy, what
6: who
1: else is supposed to
3: say hi, Sam? What happened to oh, that? I'll, I'll tell you as soon as you say hi to Sam. Hi,
2: Sam! Hi! hi. <laughs> um.
3: Hello. He can't see the train, sweetheart. <laughs> Daddy thought he was gonna get cr- creative, and the the eyes went off of William's wooden Thomas train. So I took a black marker and drive two dots because he was looking too spooky, little orphan Annie. Uh huh. So William kept asking my I was gonna say my mother, my wife, what well, something about the eyes. And my wife had no idea what he was talking about. Where'd you get the weird Thomas from? And my, my wife had no idea what was going on. So I said, Oh, I know what it is because I colored these eyes. But then I tried to recreate it and I botched it. And one of the eyes looks like it's sagging now. So I botched my own job. And Wow. Well. Yeah. You like <laughs> the Thomas? No. I'm sorry.
1: I can't like it.
3: Can't, ooh, 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 oh, my God. He's not wearing a diaper. I just got peed on on air. <laughs> William why didn't you tell daddy oh you think it's funny why didn't you tell daddy why didn't you tell daddy you had to go peace (laughs) I didn't I put a diaper on
2: you heard it here folks oh man let's
3: make this quick (laughs) always a professional I get get golden showered on there by my son that's awesome well we haven't (laughs) had. You're pretty calm during all this.
2: We we haven't had a I, <laughs> oh my God. we haven't had a golden shower on the show in a while, so it's nice to actually have one on the show. It's not funny.
3: It's not. You tell her it's not funny. Let me it is, William. Baby, why didn't you tell Daddy you had to go pee? Let me William, why didn't you tell Daddy you had to go pee?
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, pin it on Brayden. <laughs> <laughs> a man who can't defend himself. Yes. Oh, make this quick, my friend. Oh uh, <laughs> It takes every ounce of me to not jump out of this chair right now. Okay. Check out our sister shows, OTC and Cho Show Show. Uh, all of our friends over at Caliber, uh, Girls on Film, uh, Thirty Five Millimeter Heroes, etc. So many great people over there. And sorry we don't mention you guys every week. Just know that we love you. Um, Paleo Cinema, Action Attraction, the metal one just celebrated a birthday. Oh, no. Better in the Dark, the hammockus Podcast, Married with Clickers, the Criterion Cast, Podcast Without Honor and Humanity. Projection Dash Whoa, whoa, hang on, man. Listen up you peed on me. Don't cut me off now, too. Uh, projection booth.com, V cinema. Uh, and then Cinnaawesome.com. Um, parasinema.net. Mommy, the Hey. don't talk. Hey, that's uh, take your own advice there, pal. Uh, the GG and our blog, of course, the GGTMC.blogspot.com. Uh, we're getting a lot of activity over there, a lot of great reviews from our writers. So, yes. On cinemasatori.wordpress.com. And these are all again now.blogspot.com, with the exception of Lightning Bug, which is lightningbugslayer.com. Playground of Doom, Rupert Pupkin Speaks, Deadly Dolls House, Chuck Norris Ate My Baby. The, <laughs> uh, the other ones calling in <laughs> now. Fist of B list, and Shasta, Moon in the Gutter, Chimp Talk, and that's that. Diabolic DVD. Uh, check them out. In fact, our episode next week is going to be programmed by them. Yes. I can't. So you're going to have to grab them, babe. Uh, CDB, cinema-de-bizarre. Look at them go. Uh, promo code Gentleman for 10% off your orders. OMG-entertainment.com and GGTMC10 for 10% off your orders. And the Mighty Camera Obscura. Uh, We are going to be covering some stuff from their label pretty soon. And as we said, Program for Japan will be starting within a month, so not to worry, guys. And check us out on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, which is uh, twitter.com backslash ggtmc, Large William, Bob Freelander, Pickle Loaf 10, Uncool Cat. uh, And then, of course, we have a donate button, should you wish to donate. And that's all. What are we covering next week?
2: Next week is programmed by the Guys of Diabolic DVD, and next week it'll be... uh BMX Bandits on Blu-ray from Brian trenchard Smith and Cat in the Brain from one Lucio Fulci. So Back to the Fulci stuff. So should be fun. Should be a fun yeah, show.
3: It's going to be great. That BMX Bandits blue looks fantastic from some of the screenshots I've seen. I'm going to get my wife to watch that with me.
2: Yes, nice. That'll be awesome. So that is the big show. So until next week, I'll say adiós.
3: William say adiós. Adiós. And I'm going to say adios because I got to go change my clothes (laughs) and wipe down this, thank God it's leather chair. (laughs) Adios.
1: That's
5: Time is getting nearer, the smoke is fading, thoughts are getting clearer, now everything comes back to you, you're learning things you already knew. hours, days, and months go by, you've got to leave your past behind, like the matador who just the bull by the horns, show the strength of a warrior born, Yeah, in at the end of your randomness, is getting tighter, show the world you're a super fighter. Training hard to
1: be the best you can be, making your dreams